This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Episode 117 of the Mandatory Samson Podcast. We have full coverage of Donald Trump's first address to Congress as the President of the United States. We're also going to get into why Jimmy Kimmel's a racist. Caitlyn Jenner's getting yelled at by other transgender people. Ugh, this is a fun episode. We get into a lot of conversation, arguments, whatever you want to call it. It's a good one. Stick around. I think you'll enjoy it. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. My name is Chris Flannery, and I'm very excited about today's program. I am joined... As always, by Joseph Anthony Note. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Chris is super amped right now. I can actually see, like, the energy pulsating from him. Positive energy, too. Positive energy. Yeah, I, Absolutely just, positive Just energy. in a good mood. We also got Matt Weiss here. It's so glad to see you. Have so much more energy than last week. You're looking so much better, Chris. I got a good night's sleep. Uh, just recorded a couple episodes of the J Train podcast. Good energy coming off there. You guys are going to like those episodes if you listen to this podcast and that podcast. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. And I got to tell you. I felt like over the last couple of weeks, you know, or whatever with the Trump stuff, kind of felt like an obligation to almost be like a news reader, kind of like really give the hard facts, which we still do. But I, I feel like we're finding our rhythm again as far as what stories I want to cover, different conversations that we can have. I'm feeling good, and I feel good about this episode today. I think you're feeling good because somebody gave a presidential speech. Well, we're going to get into that. I took clips of that. Ooh, which we're going to get into couple of quick hits off the top of the show. Then we're going to talk about Guantanamo Bay and Sebastian Gorka, that dum-dum I talked about last week that mm-hmm. I, I got too tired. But we're going to cover him in this episode, which I'm excited about. Followed by Jimmy Kimmel being racist at the Oscars. Saying ain't so. Well, we're going to have a conversation about it. We're also going to talk about marijuana and transgender rights. How are those two stories connected? Well, I'll explain a little bit later in the program. Stop clicking the mouse for three seconds. Okay. Also, got clips from the Donald President, Donald Trump's first congressional address. Before we get to any of that, it was breaking news late last night as I was working on the rundown. I was halfway through it. Got some information about Jeff Sessions, which we're going to talk about in a second. We'll kind of, you know, pass that ball around and Uh and talk about it. Uh, We also, later in the program, have an email from Olivia it's one of our, our you know, show favorites. She likes to write in. She comments a lot. She sends an email, but it fits perfectly during the uh, the recap of the Trump address. So we're okay. going to get into it there. Also, Don't Sleep, Brian Wilson's Oso Perezoso album, his solo album, his solo debut, cello, nice. hip-hop, great album. Comes out on March 7th. That's Tuesday. Do not sleep on it. Also, the Greenpoint Gallery on March 10th. He's got his release show which would be great you can go to brianwilson.bandcamp.com you can pre-order the album otherwise you can find that on itunes spotify all over the internet wherever you find music it's where you're gonna be able to find that album we are gonna close today's show with another song off of his album this one is called roz r-o-z it's cool this one is more representative of just a straight cello song and it's nice. really good so we're gonna close the show with that once again oso oso Perizoso, P-E-R-E-Z-O-S-O. 
comes out March 7th. That's our friend Brian Wilson. You guys should definitely check it out, especially if you enjoy the music at the end of the episode. That's from our man Brian Wilson. So just wanted to remind you guys of that. Okay. What do we want to talk about at the top of the show? Jeff Sessions. Why don't you tell me, Joey, what you know about this situation? And then we'll, because uh, I got some clips on it and, uh, you know, All we'll right. talk about it. From what I remember, uh, we have someone, Jeff Sessions, that they speedily threw up there to be voted on. They knew there was confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah. They knew there was going to be a lot of issues. There might be links to Russia. And apparently, at some point, he said, and now I should say I quote, but I'm not going to be able to quote him, that he did not speak. Well, I have the clip, so we don't have to get oh. that specific. But, oh, play know. the clip. Well, all right, so let's say this. So, news broke late Wednesday night that Attorney General Jeff Sessions spoke with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak twice in September 2016 while there was an ongoing U.S. intelligence investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election. Top Democrats are calling for Sessions' resignation as Attorney General. Uh, And Michael Flynn, who we talked about a couple Mm. of weeks ago, resigned over... You know, talking to this exact same Russian ambassador. Oh, it's the same ambassador? Same ambassador. Oh. So... We got the clip of him because here's what's really at odds. Mm-hmm. Democrats are calling from, for him to resign. I don't necessarily think that he needs to resign yet, unless more information keeps dripping out over the weekend. And then on Monday, unless if someone has audio of him saying shit, I'm thinking. Right. That's the thing. It's a lot of hearsay. And in his defense, I will say this. It's perfectly reasonable that a, a senator would have conversations with an ambassador from many different countries. And he said that as a defense. And I think that's true. That is true. Yes. What's interesting about it though, is that he definitely lied about the fact that he talked to this person in the testimony, which we're going to play in a minute. And that could be grounds for, you know, resigning the position, not necessarily, but what it does do is now it opens more interest in the idea of some kind of investigation into Russian ties between the Trump administration, their impact on the election. And this would lead to Uh him being recusing himself from any of those hearings and appointing a special prosecutor, because obviously, you know, there could be a a link here now between sessions and the Russians. And so at the very least, you're going to get probably an increased push for investigations and sessions would not be involved as the you know the attorney general. What is worst case scenario? Resignation would be the worst case scenario. Well, worst case scenario is jail time for perjury. Yes, but that that there's no way that's going to happen, but yes, technically that probably would be the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario politically is that there is a transcript or there is audio or there's more going on Ugh. between, you know what I mean? So, yeah. we'll see. But in fairness to sessions, it could just have been a conversation he had and he very well could have not remember that he had that conversation or whatever. More than likely, though, he understands that if, if it comes out that the <laughs> next done. attorney general is talking to, you know, a Russian ambassador prior to Trump taking office and all this stuff, people are going to be uh, upset about that. So that's the situation we're in right now. Here is Jeff Sessions at his confirmation hearing being uh, questioned by Senator Al Franken when he's asked directly whether he had any contact with, you know, Russian ambassadors or whatever. And we'll, we'll hear what he has to say. And I apologize. The audio isn't tremendous, but I found this on Twitter and this is, this is what I wanted to play. All right. So here we go. This is at his confirmation hearing with Al Franken. CNN has just published a story and I'm telling you this, uh, 
about a news story that's just been published. So I'm not expecting you to know <laughs> whether or not it's true or not. But CNN just published a story alleging that the intelligence community provided documents to the president-elect last week that included information that, quote, Russian operatives claimed to have compromising personal and financial information about Mr. Trump. These documents also allegedly say, quote, there was a continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump surrogates and intermediaries for the Russian government. Now, let's pause it there. We already know. At this point, we don't know. We find out Flynn 100% was talking to Russian ambassador before Trump took office. Yes. And he had to resign the post. Now, Sessions is being asked about this. Does he know at that point that that happened? I don't know. He maybe doesn't remember, does remember that he spoke to Russian ambassador. Okay, so the, here, here comes the, the real crux of this video. Now, again, I'm telling you this is it's coming out. So, uh, you know. But if it's true, it's obviously extremely serious. And if there is any evidence that anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign communicated with the Russian government in the course of this campaign, what will you do? Senator Franken, I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians. Uh, okay, total, that is a lie. <laughs> so there, so the case, people are going, well, maybe he perjured himself. No, he no, fucking perjured himself. He lied. I, contacts, contacts. He's saying he, he did not speak to Russia as a surrogate. That's all he's saying. Right, but he did. He said he did not have communications with Russia. Right. Which he, he volunteered that. He didn't say as a surrogate. He said, I did not have... He didn't say... Yeah, we're going to go back. We're going to just listen. Let's listen. Here we go. Okay. Um, uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not not have communications with the Russians. I did not have, have communications, communications with the Russians. False. Now, now does, he say, does he amend that statement with anything immediately following? Well, let's see what he said. I forget. Um, and I'm unable to comment on it. Okay. So that's yeah, the end of that. Yeah, okay. So, okay. It doesn't necessarily mean it's nefarious or whatever, but it is a lie. And then it opens. That's the problem. It goes, well, why did you lie about that? Well, I didn't remember. Really? You didn't remember talking? You know, so yeah. blah, 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 blah. now you're. We talked about it last week. Again, you start pulling at that string and eventually you fucking unravel the entire sweater. The question is, what is the relationship between Trump and Russia? We are seeing that there is more there now this could be smoke and no fire definitely yeah. i'm saying that I, i'm not like i don't think the guy should have to resign over this but i do think he's gonna have to recuse himself and there should be an investigation obviously right and here's a clip of lindsey graham last night on stage with mccain i don't know what the hell they were doing together uh -oh. having a sleepover having a brushing each other's hair they've been having a bromance lately like, they, they love each other they're like best friends forever and the rumor is that you know Lindsey graham is gay or whatever and maybe him and mccain have a relationship i don't know anything about that, that sounds they could just be best friends wildly you know. speculative well <laughs> Lindsey graham you know seven you know however old he is unmarried you know whatever sounds gay <laughs> why can't two respectable gentlemen no uh, enjoy each other's time for I, sure no, I agree. If we're Play spending time together at just, 70 years old, people can be like, well, they're gay. Yeah, we're not gay. I mean, we blow each other, but it's just because we're buddies. This is McCain. I mean, this is Lindsey Graham 
uh, questioned about this situation last night. The Trump campaign and the Russians. I'm not going to base my decision based on newspaper articles. The FBI, if they're looking into this and they make a... Comey shouldn't decide whether or not to prosecute. I've never understood why the FBI director in the Clinton case made a decision not to prosecute. That should be a prosecutor's decision. If there is something there and it goes up the chain of investigation, it is clear to me that Jeff Sessions, who is my dear friend, cannot make this decision about Trump. So they may be not, there may be nothing there, but if there's something there that the FBI believes is criminal in nature, then for sure you need a special prosecutor. Okay, so that's a high-ranking Republican, a guy who's, yes. you know, is saying, yeah, obviously we have to, you know. And Daryl Issa was on Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday, said that he thinks that there needs to be an investigation, and then he changed his mind on Monday. But he already came out and said that. So now so the, the momentum is there that something is going to have to be looked into. Obviously, something needs to be looked into. I'd be honest and with Sessions you. And should have to recuse himself. I would rather them just don't even bother because you Are know... Are you kidding me? You know whoever they're going to appoint is going to be buddy-buddy and they're not going to find a goddamn thing. No, that's not how it works. There's an office of special prosecutor that is an independent arbiter. Yes, they're going to bring an independent... Who's person. they? There is a procedure. It's okay, not like- they're going to follow the procedure and I guarantee you nothing will come Spe- of it. Special prosecutors tend to be bulldogs. They tend to yeah. just want... They, they are there only for one purpose and to find the truth. Right, they're ready to do it. And that's the whole point. Sessions is appointed by Trump. So whatever the special prosecutor, whoever that's going to be, it's going to be better than Sessions investigating his boss. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, You know what I mean? That's the whole point. But yeah, to Matt's point, exactly. The special prosecutor is like salivating because there is a story here. And also now uncorroborated, I don't know. I, I, I see it on, you know, Brian Williams is talking about it on MSNBC last night. Evidently, the Obama administration realized something was going on and they left a trail of breadcrumbs for the when an investigation is ready to go. They left evidence very clearly laid out. So thanks, Obama. No, that's good. <laughs> that's positive. Uh, I, I figured that, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> okay, Matt. Okay. Um, so it's a conspiracy now in the White House to get the next president in trouble? Is what no, it's not a conspiracy in the sense that they like got they're trying to get them in trouble, but they see that there's evidence going on, and they're like, well, okay, we're leaving in two weeks. But when they go looking, it's there. here's the evidence. Like It's there. It's very clear. So this... Th- this is round one. You know okay. what I mean? Where Sessions in and of himself, I don't think is, is going to be the problem. Like to me, if, if there is an admin- a person in the Trump administration who is, you know, in bed with Russia, it's probably not Jeff Sessions. He no. doesn't, it just doesn't seem that way. Not because he wouldn't do something criminal or whatever. It's just this dude from Alabama. Who's got other shit going. I just don't feel like that's where it is, but it certainly opens the door for him to be recused potentially resign if more information comes out i have no idea but the but shit is now afoot here yes it's just another suspicious thing piling up and yes when there's enough things that are there you might it's time to take a look obviously and listen i'm not ruling anything out there's plenty of evidence that could be nothing or there's plenty of evidence that could be like yeah russia has something over trump they're holding something over trump's head and they are controlling him to an extent you know, what kind of leverage do they have over the president? We've read a lot of stuff. And again, it'll come out in the fullness of time, hopefully with an investigation and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. it seems like the intelligence community does not trust Trump with the full 
information that they have. Yes, that's because not the they, first time we've heard that either. Yeah, because they don't know whether he's compromised or not. Let's find out whether our president is compromised to a point where our intelligence agencies can't tell him the truth. That's a dangerous situation to be in, and then we have to examine the next steps. But right now, I think investigation is reasonable. And it's not like, did Bill Clinton lie about getting his dick sucked? Oh, that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things did it disrespect the office i guess right whatever your view on that is fine i understand is it inappropriate yeah the guys nobody fucking... remembers kennedy at all with hanky panky and all that or no well what difference does that mean? yeah people weren't crazy about that fact either but, yeah, but okay okay and yeah and he took a bullet to that the point <laughs> is though well, what did he say? Oh, dick and bimbos, all the shit. Okay, yes, it's it's, but it's not the same. If Trump is compromised to the point where he can't know what is going on from an intelligence perspective in the United States because Russia and Vladimir Putin is dangling something over his head, yes. like essentially blackmailing him, that's a scandal of epic proportions. Yes, and it's not partisan. I'm not saying it because. You know, I don't want Trump. To, he is the president. We said it right from the start. And I said, we're not being hyperbolic. And I'm not being hyperbolic now. But understand, though, if that is the situation, if there's some kind of situation going on where the United States president is compromised by Russia and mm. Russian intelligence, that is an unprecedented disaster situation. Okay? And something needs to be done about that. And left, right, center, independent, Green Party, fucking Blue Party, whatever party you're in, as an American citizen and as a patriot, it is your duty to explore this yes. to its fullest. Because you're you're a you're a partisan hack. Then, if you can look at this and go, well, it's just the Democrats are trying to get him. Well, if there's something to get, let's fucking get him as an American. That's how I feel. It would be the same thing with Obama. It would be the same thing with Hillary. Well, Do you anybody. think I'd be against Hillary being investigated if some shit went down? No. Uh, of course I wouldn't. I mean, you weren't particularly pro-Hillary in the... No, I'm, because again, I, I'm 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 looking at it from the perspective of I have certain policies that I'd like to see enacted. Failing those, I'm going to be extremely critical of an administ all administrations, especially the one I vote for. But this is a real serious situation and we shouldn't just go past it because, well, times are very partisan and we just need to look together. I was... Immediately, I hated the fact that Obama wouldn't... Was like, we need to just... We need to look to the future. We need to move on. There will be no investigation. He didn't prosecute Bush or Cheney for the war crimes that they most certainly committed. So I was extremely critical of that. We need to pay attention to this because this could either be nothing, uh, ranging from nothing to the greatest scandal that the United States has ever seen. You know what I mean? This is a we have to let this play out. We have to see what happens. For real. This is a serious thing. God, Joey, I'll give you the second to write down the title if you want to. Thank you. In, Go ahead, man. In the meantime, I just, I just feel like saying his full name of Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the Third. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the Third. Right. I mean, it sounds like he owns people, you know. Yeah. But that, but the entire here nor there. The entire time we're talking, I'm just like, I, I need to say his name. It's I, insane. I just need to. What is what is Don Trump's middle name? Oh, John, right? Donald yeah. John Trump. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think it's right. Yeah, you know that. All right, uh, Joey. Any final thoughts on this? There's not going to be anything there. Maybe not with him, but this certainly opens the door. For the investigation, which I think is the important thing to begin with. Does that mean we're going to start chanting lock him up or no? <laughs> I never will. But oh, OK. Uh, all right. Let's get into the first topic here. Can you believe this? 20 minutes in already. Keep Matt, it going. Matt came in today and he was like, 
Yeah, I don't really know how long this episode is going to be. Like looking at the rundown because they got some clips and different stuff, and I was like, it's going to be a long one. Uh, all right, Dorsa Darakshani, which might be one of the best names of all time, eighteen-year-old who is a certified international chess master and female grandmaster in chess, has been banned from competing for Iran's national chess team for not wearing her hijab while competing independently in the 2017 Tradewise Gibraltar Chess Festival. Meanwhile, her brother, Borna, who's 15, uh, has also been banned for competing in the same tournament against Alexander Huzman, who is an Israeli. All right? They mm-hmm. don't like that. Uh, I got a quote in the email, and then we'll just have a discussion about this. Murdad Palavanzada, I guess how you pronounce it, who's the head of Iran's chess federation. He says the siblings will be uh will be dealt with in the severest way possible. The first step in dealing with them would be to deprive them from playing in Iran, and they won't have a chance to be in the national team. So let's put this into perspective. Okay. All right. It's an 18-year-old girl who's uh-huh. a chess whiz. I mean, an international chess whiz. Mm-hmm. She does not want to wear the fucking hijab, which is mm-hmm. law in Iran. Yeah, say that again. It's law, right? Yeah. Law and order. Just let me finish. Okay, it's law. Go yeah. ahead. She's not in Iran, right? She's in Spain or wherever she was living at the time for this tournament. She doesn't want to wear the fucking hijab. They're going to keep this person who's a very smart person. Obviously, she's great at chess. They're going to keep her from competing and you know being a part of the national team to play mm-hmm. chess because she doesn't want to wear the fucking hijab because she's breaking the law. Yeah, and then her brother meanwhile is playing a dirty Jew, so they got to keep him off the team too. Uh, oh wow. This is the shit that drove me a little bit crazy during the women's march where women in America, western women who are not Muslim or religious or whatever, they're thrown on the fucking hijab to, you know, stand in solidarity. But what where who's standing in solidarity with this actually Muslim woman who is being oppressed by her government and kept from doing what she loves because she won't wear a piece of religious garb. I find it infuriating. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I understand if people want to wear it, that's their choice. Fine. But we're talking about a country that is forcing people to do it. And this shit happens in Saudi Arabia. It's not, you know, it's not the only country this happens. Well, again, this is more of a question of secularism versus the whole religion. Absolutely. And that's what I'm talking. I think we've had this conversation about the burkini and all this stuff. I was like, well, it's culture, it's religion. Yeah, I get that. But as a Western liberal, I am fucking not in favor of this unless you really want to do it. But on a certain level, it's always oppression. Well, this is what America means to me in that religion is a choice, whether you, you don't have to wear... Well, in this case, it isn't. I, I'm, right. I'm saying, yeah. like, that's why, like, this is where I think freedom of religion really matters. It's like, it's, religion should be a choice. It's not... This is the, the issue here. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, too, though. It's like, we say freedom of religion, but I really would like it to be a movement towards... Yeah, don't oppress yourself with that. Like, I get it. It's a cultural thing. You might want to wear it, whatever, the, a yarmulke, whatever it is. But let's move... Come on. It's 2017. Let's move away from this shit. This chick's great at chess. Let her go play fucking chess. Stop worrying about whether she's wearing this this oppress because in this case it is an oppressive thing. Obviously, we can try to take it out of context in Western culture and whatever. But in 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 my mind, in every context, it still is oppressive. Whether you want to wear, you choose to wear it. You don't want to wear it. Your dad told you to wear it. Your government told you to wear it. It's oppression. An individual choice is an individual choice. But she doesn't get that choice. Right. She doesn't get that luxury. No, for sure. So the question then becomes, can they make an exception? Because 
you know, the fact that she's from Iran really doesn't, you know, doesn't really constitute anything, really, to me. What do you mean? They can have her play chess where, you know, you just let her come in. You know, you override Iran's choice to not let her be part of the uh, the tournament. Well, it's part of a well, yeah, I you guess it's like an independent or whatever. Yeah. But right, but the, the point is, it's the Iranian she, yeah, the national she, team. She can't play for the national team. In other times, it, when this country was working better, I would say this would be a great person. Just allow like quick quick immigration stats because oh, let's get a really smart person who's being persecuted oh, into glad, our country. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, right, is wow. Iran one of the countries that are, has a travel ban? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, like, yeah. So this person, this is a dangerous person. No, these these are people that we should be uh, applauding. So, so someone who's a master of strategy and we and is being being persecuted. Let's get them on our side. Well, not even that. Somebody who goes, you know what? I don't. I, I I'm an independent person. I don't need to wear this stupid. Uh, you know, and look for people that are Muslim or want to wear the hijab. I'm not saying it's stupid. Whatever. But I'm saying for her, obviously, she's like, yeah, I don't have to wear that. <laughs> I don't want to. And good. We should be applauding that as opposed to being like, well. You know, it's their religion. Like, no, she's a free, she's a free thinker, right? Let her, let her, let her live. Let her play chess. All right, I wanted to bring that up because it's annoying. It's frustrating to me. And then, meanwhile, forget the fact that the the brother who's younger, he's great at chess, and they're like, "Oh, you played a Jew." Mm. I mean, that's just blatant racist. Like, that's just blatant. What's well, absurd? Right? It's crazy. And what are you gonna, like? You so you're gonna have someone forfeit and lose the competition because you don't want because you're anti-Semitic, right? Like that just makes you. Why wouldn't it be better to play against them and try to beat them? Wouldn't that be better? Sure, of course, of course. Right, Joey. Thoughts? Listen, these are just two children that happen to be good at chess that are causing problems around the world. <laughs> we don't have enough things going around that they have to make chess more interesting. What are you talking about? What it's a, a conspiracy. Weird... It's a conspiracy. I I, I think he's a a man with a worldview that doesn't fit reality. That's you, Joey. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Uh, All right, let's move on to the next thing. Tom Perez, who is the former U.S. Labor Secretary under Barack Obama, was elected DNC, Democratic National Committee Chairman, on Saturday, defeating progressive darling Keith Ellison, 235 to 200. I'm not a big Keith Ellison. I don't personally find keith ellison uh I, I just don't like him there's something about him that i don't like however i do agree with you know a lot of his progressive policies and he was a bernie backed guy keith yeah. ellison uh whereas perez was uh, obviously labor secretary under obama clinton you know more in that like kind of corporatist wing of the democratic party biden personally made calls for him to get him elected which Man, you talk about momentum on the Democratic side opposing Trump. You can feel like this like liberal wave coming. And what is the first official thing the Democratic Party does? They go, "Yeah, we're not going to take your guy. In fact, we're gonna we're gonna get the old guard to call in on the behalf of the guy that the establishment wants." And uh, what are you calling Uncle Joe part of the old guard? Of course, part of the really? Democratic establishment. Yeah, I mean he's a bit of a different character, but he's still. It, you know, in that the corporatist camp much more than, you know, Bernie is or Keith Ellison. He was vice president for eight years, senator for years before that. I mean, he's been around since he's been around forever. Of course, he's yeah. part of the old guard. Of course. And, you know, to Perez, you know, Perez, Perez, his his uh, credit, he named Ellison his deputy, you know. No, obviously, you had to do right. that. You have to get the support. You know, you, you can't not. See, here's the thing. They need everybody like. Bernie did an incredible job, like arousing. Not Obama, Bernie. 
Oh, well, you got to work on that. No, because you did did not give me a long enough chance to say what I wanted to say. Yeah, there you go. I got the Bernie down. (laughs) Like you have somebody that regenerized the entire generation. It's a movement. Uh And if you didn't appoint Alice... Allison, yeah. Allison, all all those people will just disappear virtually. Oh, they're going to, that's what I'm saying. This this is the thing. It's shit like this and something that later that I'm going to bring up. This is how you waste momentum and you give Trump another four years. That, that's how, that's what happens because you keep seeing the same fucking faces that lost the election. Yes. Why? Why, why are we doing that? And also my people tell me that. What? My people. Uh Uh-huh. Or the talking heads, or the voices, or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah, the voices, yeah. Uh, the voices are telling me that Tom Perez is pretty cozy with everybody in Wall Street, too. I think that's great. Yeah, with of course you think it's everything. great, Hillary. Sure. Did you hear her? Yeah, I heard her. I think that's great. Yeah, of course you do. This is the clip of Donna Brazil, who's the acting DNC chairwoman, announcing the victory. And we'll just listen to this for a second. Let me give you the final results the threshold for victory was 218 votes 435 members uh, were total in voting including proxies the results are 235 for mr perez and 200 for mr allison thank you so much You know, folks, I would like to begin by making a motion. It's a motion that I have discussed with a good friend, and his name is Keith Ellison. And the motion I would like to make to the body is a motion suspending the rules, if I may, to appoint Keith Ellison Deputy Chair of the Democratic National Committee. All right, and then they hug awkwardly. Wait, you have Alice's, uh, Alison's, like, the beginning of the speech when, no? no? Okay, he made a funny joke. What did he say? He said that way that he completely agrees with his first decision in choosing him. Oh, very good. It was cute. It was, you know. All right. It's fine. It's called an off-the-cuff remark. Yes. Okay. It was well played. You had to be there. Now, here's a clip. This is 30 30 seconds. Some Republican guy that I saw on Twitter posted this, and this is infuriating because this is a a montage of Tom Perez, and this is why I think it's, like, not a great choice. I'm just going to play this. All right. So, so, all right. So, we have somebody you found on Twitter who's a Republican yeah, just, who clipped together old... I don't know if he clipped it together. It doesn't matter. It's a bunch of clips of Tom Perez okay, fine. on different shows. And this is what this is this is the guy that we we're gonna capture the momentum, the the resistance to Trump. This is how we're gonna capture it. We have to get back to basics. We've, well, I think we've gotta get back to basics. What we've gotta do is get back to basics. Absolutely. By getting back to basics. Yeah. I think we have to get back to basics. Oh, I got it. We've got to get back to basics. I got it. So I think we need to get back to basics. Well, again, step one is back to the basics. Yeah. We've got to get back to basics. To We, we have to get back to basics. We And so we've got to go back to basics as a party. We've, oh, we have to get back to basics. You know, I, I've got to get back to basics. Shut the fuck up, basics. 
You're basic. You're a basic bitch, Tom Paris. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> what well, is that helpful? Is that helpful at all? No, it's, it's a, not. It's a talking point. I understand what a talking point is. Does this feel like the generation that wants talking points? No. That's why Hillary goddamn lost and Trump goddamn won. Well, does that does, does that nobody understand that? In what form is Bernie basic? See, the, see that's the other thing. Now, Bernie's not basic at all. No. But I mean, that's trying to appeal to the people try- he wants to get elected to the to that post from. My real issue right. here is that like I, the I, establishment. I, I mean, the real issue is like this was clearly an election of. Oh, we need to go. Like we, we're sick of the establishment. Let's get rid of the establishment. Let's- well, that's every election, right? It's I'm sick of what happened. We got to move a different direction. Yeah, but this is not a different direction. Well, well and then his first action is saying, "Oh, like our real problem is we didn't we didn't uh, pander to the Midwest. Or we didn't pander to the farming states. Like, or if you just go for actual change and do it's, be, it's, be the progressive it, that people want, it's the wrong strategy. Like I've said, you don't need to get people that don't agree with you you need to get more people I, to agree with you well I'm, that's I'm, it that's I'm just a strategy i'm just terrified. if they can fucking write that down i'm just terrified that we're going to try to go farther right instead of going farther left of course we're going to go farther yeah, right the like, country's going to go farther right megan kelly being hired by nbc fucking gretchen carlson's going to be on network television yeah why because they're going greta van susteren coming on msnbc why because they're going uh, the country's going farther right when all you needed to do all they needed to do was get more people to vote for Democrats. That's yes. it. And this is why we need to let, stop letting the baby boomers make decisions about our future. I, I totally agree. We need to gas the baby boomers. Joey? Uh, That's what you no, said. That's we, what Matt, Matt said. We do it. not mean that. <laughs> you didn't say that? And No, not at all. And I just want to point out, too, the other thing about that clip is... The individuals that will be voting for Bernie Sanders are not watching the shows that Tom Perez is going on saying we got we have to go back to basics. Well, uh, that's not necessarily true. I mean, that was like radio shows. That was MSNBC shows. That was all over the place. And, I, you know, I think the Bernie's group, the Bernie movement is uh, a wide range of people, you know. So some of them are watching it. Well, well, I'm saying we have to go back to basics is just such a generic well, that state. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to get. at. It's like. Okay, that could be that could mean we're going to completely de- deconstruct everything and rebuild the party. It could mean we're going to stri- try grassroots. We're going to do what like if we went to a grassroots right. approach, that'd be great. Yeah, which obviously Keith Ellison was, is more the grassroots yeah. route, not Tom Perez, who was already in the government as a labor secretary. And, like, and the Keith Ellison being made the jo- like the deputy, it just feels like it's a pandering move. Of course, and I and I don't I, I'm not cr- I don't know why, but there's just something that I don't love about Keith Ellison. Um, because it feels like a consolation prize for Bernie. Yeah, there's just it's just the the way he answers some certain questions. He'll dodge this and that. Like I just feel like there's a lack of there's a lack of authenticity from him in some way. I don't know, and he could prove me wrong or whatever. But you get a real a realness from Bernie and even Obama to an extent when he was running. You you just felt differently about them. You know? So who are you looking as the chairperson of the Democratic Party? Howard Dean then? or No. Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, Howard Dean is kind of a... a I was going to say butthole, but that's like... <laughs> it's kind of shitty Jesus commentary, Christ. but but no, I mean, but Howard... Uh, yeah, but you know what? Howard Dean presided over a 50-state strategy that, you know, before Obama won the White House. So, yeah, yeah maybe. But maybe some new blood, you know, some... Outside the establishment thing, I don't know. I don't have somebody off the top of my head, but maybe, yeah, maybe Kirsten Gillibrand, maybe a uh, even a Cory Booker, who I think is a, a more of an establishment Democrat. At least it's a new face. Julian Castro, these different people yeah. in the Democratic Party that Sherrod Brown, get some fucking people so, someone, in there. Someone you know? a little younger with more vitality and yeah, you I know, mean, and like Howard Dean was 
good. For, he got Obama elected, but I'm, which got me a little excited when he was throwing his name in the ring. Right. But at the end of the day, he is very much the old establishment. Right. Well, I guess it, I was a little bit too like younger when he was uh, running for president. So he was more of a like a little bit outsider liberal, wasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I don't yeah. remember from Vermont. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, or I, New Hampshire, or whatever. But he's like, you know, well, New, there's a big difference between Vermont and New Hampshire. I think Hampshire. it was Vermont. New, New Hampshire is a little bit more conservative. We can Google it. Um, yeah, and then there was the other guy, Buddha Judge, but uh, he dropped out. He got like a little momentum, and then yeah, he just dropped out immediately. Yeah, nobody does. But he was kind of a nerd too. I watched him talk. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> so to me, it feels like a squandered opportunity. This could have been something, and it's probably not going to be anything. You're going to get a lot of the same shit here. Uh, and this is the type of crap that keeps Trump in office, <laughs> like for sure. Later during the Trump clips, during his his address, the Democrats had their response. Whew. You want to talk about fucking screwing the pooch? We'll we'll talk about that. I don't have the clip, but we can talk about it later. All right. Gitmo and Gorka. This is what I want to talk about last week, and I'm excited to get into it now. Sebastian Gorka, who is a Trump deputy assistant, appeared on Fox and Friends recently, and he annoyed me. And we're going to listen to the clip, uh, and then we're probably going to dispute, uh, not probably, we're definitely going to dispute some of the things that he has to say. So this is Sebastian Gorka, who's a Trump like deputy for, for uh, you know, for the president. Here we go. Uh, here to discuss is Deputy Assistant to uh, President Trump, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Good morning to you, uh, Sebastian. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Does, does it surprise you that this ISIS suicide bomber in Iraq was a former Gitmo detainee? Unfortunately, it doesn't. If you look at the great work done at the Long War Journal, people like Tom Jocelyn, we know there's at least 30, if not more than 40% recidivism rate from the people released at Gitmo. So, uh okay, I'm going to stop him right there. He mentions Tom Jocelyn, whatever. He mentioned two different organizations. Both of them are run by the same people. And the uh -huh. article that he's quoting from is, uh, let me see. The article is, ex-Guantanamo detainee carried out suicide attack near Mosul, Iraq. This is from February 22nd, 2017. It's from FDD's Long War Journal, but it's owned by the organization that he mentioned in the first part. So it's the same thing. This is the closing sentence of the article that he's referencing, the Tom Jocelyn thing. It says, uh, Al Harith's death means that the Islamic State has now used at least two former Guantanamo detainees in suicide operations in and around Mosul, Iraq. Two. Not 800 or whatever this guy's saying, 30 to 40%. Two. Okay? Yeah. That's a different number. And I also want to point back to this. We talked about this on MSP something. I forget which one. Gitmo releases and the percentage of people that they released that actually got back involved in terrorism. Bush released 532 prisoners from Guantanamo Bay. And meanwhile, bear this in mind as well before uh -huh. I get to Obama's numbers. When Bush was putting people in the, in the prison, uh, you know, this is during a war or yes. during a, a, a more volatile situation. So obviously his number would be a little bit higher. Okay. But I'm just going to say 532 releases, 113 of them got back involved in some kind of terror activity. That's 21.2%. Obama released 161, but also let's put this in context. The people that are left in Guantanamo, you would hear the argument from Republicans. These are the worst of the worst. Yeah, they we would let, definitely do yeah, it. Yeah, we let the ones go that we could let go. But Obama, these are the worst ones, and he's going to ruin the world. 161 releases, 17 got back involved. That's 5.6%, right? Yeah. So Bush released a lot of people. 21% of them got back involved in terrorism. 
of the people Obama released, the worst of the worst that we can't take back in America, 5.6% got involved. Okay? Uh-huh. So I just want to put that in context. Now let's let this guy talk more to the uh, the dum-dums on Fox News. Uh, President Obama released uh, lots and lots of people that were there for a very good reason. And what happened? Almost half the time they returned to the battlefield. This individual... He goes 30, 40%. Obama released them half. Oh, okay. So it went Hundreds. from 30 to 50% all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And uh, No, actually, it's 5.6%. Fucker. I... This shit drives me crazy because you want to talk about fake news and whatever. This is a fake news piece of shit. And he comes on and they don't go like a Trump surrogate, you know, just a guy that has an agenda. Right. Okay. Not only was he released, he was given compensation of more than a million dollars by the British government who claimed he had been maltreated. And then he goes and executes a suicide attack in Iraq. What? Why would the British government do that? No, good commentary. Great question. Good commentary, nameless blonde in the middle. Uh, what? 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 Why would they do that? Because uh, we tortured people at Guantanamo Bay. So whether he's nice or not is immaterial. They have to pay him damages if they can prove that, which obviously they did. Charlatan. Is that her name, Charlotte? Yeah, to- it's Charlatan. Charlatan. Is her first name, yeah. She, she sounds so wildly offended, like someone just kill, like, sle- yeah, killed her we, grandmother. Why don't we listen to that one again? government who claimed he had been maltreated and then he goes and <laughs> they get yeah he makes it sound like he's like hey i got mistreated in guantanamo and they're like here is a million dollars like no they had to go through it there was a, a proceeding executes a suicide attack in iraq what why would the british government do that because they hate america obviously charlatan that's why that's a good question you'd have to ask them i'm afraid uh, Dr. Gorka, uh, on top of that, you do have Gitmo and you do have some people there and it's a brand new prison and there's a court. Do you, have you decided, do you know if the administration, along with your advice, has decided what to do about that? Are we going to start seeing these guys on trial and convicted and death penalty? The president has been really explicit, Brian, that, that Gitmo is a very, very important tool. And beyond just the question of detention facility or tribunals, it's also important to understand that Guantanamo Bay is an incredibly important intelligence asset. In no way is Guantanamo Bay an important intelligence asset. It never has been. There's been no credible information gained from torturing people that led to anything. There's no proof of that. None. If, In fact, it's the opposite. It's really, it, it's true. And and all the people who are there have been there for years now, right? D- decades. There's, yeah. no, there's no one coming in that's giving us new information about nope. about the battlefield. No, we waterboarded Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. However many times we did it there, not nothing. No like, actual intelligence. If if there so if there was actual intelligence, it's long past his point of relevancy. Well, sure, and it's been said. No, numerous yeah. times, including by James Mattis, who is the se- the Secretary of Defense. Torture doesn't produce information. He's like the reason I'm not. I, a, it's internationally illegal, right? We've signed yes. treaties saying we we're not going to do it. We 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 don't do this. Forget that. Even if you want to throw that out the window, he's like it doesn't work. So that's why I advocate for not using it. Okay. But, but look at the things that we've managed to achieve based upon the intelligence gleaned from the prisoners mm-hmm. there. So we, we like what? Can you name one? These fucking puppet monkeys. Not one of them thought to go. For example, 
stand by the president's uh, determination during the campaign that this is right. something we have to keep. Well, Dr. Gurkha, you're not only talking about the news, you're kind of in the news. The Washington <laughs> Post talked about how you went from the fringes of Washington to the center of power. Yeah, that'd be impossible, right, in the Trump administration to have somebody who's a fringe person now at the seat of power. Yeah, that would never happen. Bannon! <laughs> you, you, you didn't watch uh, Betsy DeVos' long establishment career in education? Oh, Please. <laughs> Is this because you're trying to eliminate radical Islam and they're just not happy about that? Yeah, it's really strange. I, you know, what? I kind of flattered. It, it was yesterday's newspaper starts above the fold. You know what that means in D.C., above yeah. the fold on page one. And then the full back page of section a kind of flattering but you know what the problem is after these articles appeared in the post and the wall street journal i get lots of phone calls from friends former colleagues saying these reporters talked to me for hours but never quoted me why because i they had nothing bad to say about right. me so this is fake news they're, they're attacking oh, me based news. upon uh, people i've never met fake. and right. what's the bottom line uh, we want to win this war. I've been critical of the last 16 years, which hasn't been very, very fruitful in protecting Americans. And I guess they just want to do the same old, right. same old. And if you want to know what Dr. Gorka is about, where his family's from, and why he loves being here, read his book. It's all there. There's no, there's no secrets. Dr. Gorka, thanks oh, you so know, much. Oh, you don't want to mention where he's from? Uh, no. Journalist? You're just going to go buy his book if you want to find out. I don't got to sell his book. I don't want to find out there. more about him. I also have a good Matt, but I also have a clip. This is like another thing where he's on Fox and he's talking about, uh, you know, the media lies. If, if they want to call themselves journalists, they've really got to stop sucking his dick so hard. That was just oh, it's absurd. So, like that was oh, well, like, they don't want to be journalists. Like, the, 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 let's just flatter you for for five minutes and oh, we'll mention this whole Guantanamo Bay thing on the sidelines. Just it was a thing. It happened. Course, it's a puff piece, and it's just a guy that like works for Trump. All right, this is a, this is another clip of him talking about the media lying, and then we can move on. Well, you work there. Is the administration in disarray? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, as I tell people, I come in every morning at 7 a.m. I open the newspapers and I read these peculiar stories. Eight out of ten of them are just have no uh, resemblance to anything that's going in in the White House. And, and it's very strange, James, when you read a story about an event where you were in the room the day before when the issue was discussed or decided upon, and the representation of mainstream media bears absolutely no resemblance to the reality. So, no, as the president said, a finely tuned machine. Okay, so this guy says eight out of ten stories on the Trump administration are false. Uh -huh. Eight out of ten? It's a lot. Really? Eighty percent. You don't think there's enough going on in the Trump administration that they could even get half of them right? Nope, they just need to make up a bunch of shit. What are you out of your mind? I do not like this guy. I'm going to keep my eye on Gorka for sure because now he's on my radar. Uh, I don't care for him. And I don't like the false narratives about uh guantanamo that that really really drives me insane because we've litigated this before and i get a new crop of these right-wing fucking lunatics that get into power and they're going to go on tv and fox isn't going to ask them critical questions you're going to be very upset in the next four years aren't you um no i mean i actually feel good i mean the you know this started out weird with trump being president i i don't like it uh, I accepted it. Obviously, we said that right off the bat. But no, now I'm feeling like I'm catching my stride. I feel like I feel like the House of Cards is gonna tumble down. I don't think we should be afraid. I understand there's people that are fearful of things that he could put into place, and you know a lot of it's terrible. But they don't know what they're doing, and so remember that. Like I think we've we've let it fall out of our consciousness as Americans that there are institutions and there are people that are paying attention that aren't necessarily partisan that. Uh, they're there for a reason. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we got to trust the process a little bit. 
And I think we're starting to see that, you know, because there is a process in place. And the journalists, God, keep insulting journalists. Keep pretending that the Washington Post is fake news and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> TV news maybe is fake news sometimes, right? It's, it's sensational. It's corporate yeah. media. But there's a lot of real journalism going on. And just give people time. That's all. Well, because of this, I'm going to be getting an actual subscription to the Times soon just because it's... I want to get, like, if I'm going to give money, it's the... You're such a good lefty. You really are. <laughs> yeah. uh, the New York Times is good journalism. No, it is, for sure. I'm not saying that, but it's a very liberal thing. Like, I'm going to donate part of my salary to the <laughs> ACLU, and, you know, I'm going to volunteer at some Planned Parenthoods. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> fucking with you, but, you know... But, right, yes, l- there's real journalism taking place. I just, I just don't like having being stuck behind that paywall all the time. Yeah, it's irritating. Although I found a way around it. If you want to know the truth, all you have to a lot not of not now, no, don't. No, do it. this Come is on. a great time to say it. It's uh, it's fine. You know, get your subscription. But if you don't want to get a subscription, say it's the Wall Street Journal. We won't even say the New York Times. You take the headline of the article, whatever it is, Google it, and then you'll often find that other sites, like you know, in Des Moines or whatever, they'll have. You know, they'll they'll subscribe to the service of like they put that out on like their website, sort of like an AP thing. They'll do it with the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. So you can find it on other sites. Just letting you know. Chris, you, you I don't give a shit. You rebel. You Yeah, well, you know you what? Because I, I because I don't you know, fuck off. But get the real information. Uh all right. How about this? Joey, what are you doing over there? Nothing. You're you're really pissing me off. What are you doing? Nothing. Are you looking at Facebook? I am not looking at Facebook. You're not right now, but you were. It was what not. Were you doing? It was on Facebook. It was a text message chain. I'm sorry. From who? Don't say the person's name, but is it people that I don't care about? Yes. Okay. It is off. It. it is away. We're recording the podcast. I'm here. You can be present for an hour and a half. I'm here. Fuck. This is great commentary here. Well, it really irritates me. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to thank our sponsor. Uh-huh. Apologize to the sponsor. I'm a suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a suck. I'm a savvy. Uh, all right, we're going to do that. And yes. then we're going to get into Jimmy Kimmel being racist at the Oscars. And I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but we'll have a conversation about it. Marijuana and transgender rights. And then we're going to uh, close the show with the Trump congressional address. I have clips from that, and we'll, we'll kind of discuss that. Cool? Yes. We are sponsored today, as we've been sponsored in episodes past, by a great service, Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in this country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs, which is really good. We we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, you know, corporate responsibility and people, you know, uh, valuing the world and not contributing to global warming and all this stuff. Sustainable food sources is a big part of that. And I appreciate that blue apron is, uh, you know, down with that cause on top of that, they make great food and they also have a very good impact on households. Joey, why don't you tell the people, the Samsonites, what I mean by that? Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that blue apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot at restaurants or high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. That's right. That sounded extemporaneous. That sounded like you just knew that and you said it off the top of your head. It didn't sound like you read it at all. 40 minutes or less, you can cook these meals, which is, that's the big deal too. You get to cook the meal, half hour, 35 minutes, whatever. You sit down with your family. You spend more time together. You enjoy the home cooking. You you, you feel good about putting sustainably sourced fresh food in front of them. 
right? Yes. Uh, listen to some of the meals you can get. Salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli. That sounds mm. delicious. I'm starving. I had a quest bar today. I'd love to have a, a, some salmon piccata. Pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple. Sign me up. That sounds delicious. And like I told you, my parents are eating this stuff. My godmother's eating it. They love it. It's great. My mom, Every day I talk to my mom. She goes, oh, you know what I got from Blue Apron today? Blah, blah, blah. Bok choy, you know, salmon. Oh, I had the bar on Monday. I never had bar on Monday. It's unbelievable. She loves it. They're loving it. They're trying all new recipes. And they don't even repeat a recipe within a year, which is crazy. But you can make it yourself. That's the other beauty. They give you these cards. They explain to you how to make the recipe. Mm-hmm. So you like one, file it away. Now nice. you got it. Now you got a nice recipe book. Give it to your kids. Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla chips. Unbelievable. Mm. It sounds great. Spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Those are four featured upcoming meals. They got a plethora of meals otherwise. You can customize what you want from them. It's good stuff. I highly recommend it, and we appreciate Blue Apron supporting the podcast. Here's how you can support the podcast in return and support Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Samson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. I don't think you should wait. The copy says don't wait. I don't think you should wait. I'm telling you. Of my own volition. Don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Samson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, Blue Apron. You know that's a better way to cook. Thank you, Blue Apron, for sponsoring the podcast. They're good. It's a good sponsor. I like having Blue Apron. You guys appreciate them, yes? Yes. Uh, you ready to get on to the next thing here? Let's go hit some Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, this one excites me. I, this is part of why I'm getting excited lately, because I feel like I've been giving myself too much of a script as opposed to being like, here's something we could talk about. Let's talk about it. Jimmy Kimmel hosted the Oscars, very eventful Oscars over the weekend. And Oh, you mean the huge fuck up at the end? I loved it. You loved I, it. I also think it's a, a sign that like, like I've said, the the simulation is imploding upon itself, right? All these like weird things that keep happening. Yeah, it's not I, that weird. Someone handed somebody a wrong elevate. Yeah, but it's never happened before. So okay. that's interesting, right? I mean, given enough time, statistically, you'll get the screw ups. Given enough time, yeah. But uh, over time, things tend to fall to chaos, right? Yes. Um. Anyway, that's just and that's not the whole point of this. But anyway, yeah, I do. I do also like when things go wrong on live TV or like when something real happens on live TV. It really makes me happy. Uh, okay, this is an article written by Jessica. I'm going to pronounce it Proy, but it's P-R-O-I-S. So I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her name. I'm not trying to pronounce it incorrectly, but it's written by Jessica Proy on the Huffington Post. And I have a lot of quotes from this article in the email because... As I watched events like that, I always think, well, people are going to complain about that being racist. Oh, oops, he fucked up there. That's Uh going to be, people are going to get mad. I just want to go through some of this shit. Maybe she's right. Maybe she's wrong. I found a lot of it. My initial reaction is like, what are you talking about? You're being goofy. And this is part of the pushback to this type of stuff. Some of it's valid. Mm -hmm. You know, some, a lot of stuff that people point out is like, that's fucking racist. Yeah, it is. To me, this is. A lot of this is nonsense. And this is part of the pushback to the super, like, quote, liberal left. This is part of the pushback, why Trump gets elected and why people are back, people like Milo and all these people that go to colleges and snowflakes and blah, blah, blah. This is sort of the pushback of that. And it's coming from a good place. I understand she's trying to make people feel included and not feel bad. But it's like, God damn it, man. You're, you're, 
you're going to it's, it's too much. All right, let's point. see where she's taking it. Go. These are direct quotes from the article because that's the only way to do it. It just makes sense to like read the direct quotes from the article. So here we go. The article starts. Jimmy Kimmel kicked off the Oscars Sunday night with a joke that perfectly skewered the Trump administration's treatment of minority groups, and it was met with rapturous applause. Quote, I want to thank President Trump, Kimmel quipped. I mean, remember last year when it seemed like the Oscars were racist? Okay. Yeah, funny. It's clever. fine. Yeah. It's a soft joke. She says that perfectly skewered them. Yeah. Okay. As political jokes go, Kimmel succeeded in lampooning the problematic systemic treatment of marginalized communities. Is that what he did? Did he perfectly lampoon them? I mean, it's just a fucking... Or, uh, it's like, it's, it's an quick... opinion piece. It's a soft joke. I understand that I don't like her dumb opinion, so I'm going to wow. yell at her about it. Uh, wow. Well, what's the point of having... That's the thing. No, okay. What's no. the point of having this podcast if this is not what it's for? Okay. It is, literally, it is just for me during the week when I go, well, that annoyed me, that annoyed, that annoyed me, me. I disagree okay. with that, this is important. It's just a place where I can sit down and go, and here it comes. Joe, we are the pulpit that Chris is preaching from. We're just here just so we can stand on our shoulders. Next That's quote. Right. Well, she goes, all right, uh, marginalized communities. And, and he should have stuck with that formula instead formula instead his jokes ended up lampooning the marginalized communities themselves dun, 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 dun. she goes on in another but now again i'm skipping ahead a little bit she goes on twitter viewers called kimmel out on some major uncomfortable instances that made ethnic groups feel quote othered or that they don't belong against a backdrop of industry diversity wins the trappings of inculcated nativism behind kimmel's jokes felt painfully obvious you, That's way over first my head. Of all, well, that is so far over my head. I it's have no over, idea what's going on. I get what she's saying, but it's over everybody's head. I'm it's sorry. It's like you're trying to make a point, but you're saying it in this very like college liberal v- jargon that just is meaningless to most people. So you're already losing people with that. But I, I, I just disagree anyway that it's like, Oh, he, he othered people. Okay. Yeah, because other people are other people. Matt and Joey, guess what? You're others to me. You're not me. <gasps> <gasps> yeah, I know. Whitey. <laughs> so where did this whole other thing come from? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, well, that's I'm what I'm saying. This, this is like the language of like the liberal left, the, the university left of like, anytime you make somebody feel like they are not part of the in-group, the, the included group, you Are they themselves? Them. Oh, okay. You've othered okay. them. They're the other. You, you know, you're, you're... Which, there are valid, real-world instances of that happening. The, the travel ban and shit like that, you're othering people. <laughs> you're also doing it when you go, all Trump voters are racist and whatever. You're, yeah, you're yeah, still othering them. Yeah. But that's good othering that I bet this person would defend because it's like, well, because they're racist, so you can other them all you want. Okay, but you're not abiding by your own rules and kind of language policing and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So it's this sort of, uh, once again, you get to a point where as left as you are, you're actually going back towards the center as the right goes towards the center of fascism because you go, well, you can't talk like that. You can't make a joke like that. You can't say this. You can't say that. You're speech policing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it comes out of a good intention, but it ends up coming back around towards yeah, you're just now, doing the you're, same thing. Yeah, now you're just denying people's ability to disagree with you or, or other people. It's not illegal to do that. You might not want people to do it, but you can. Well, every time someone tries to tell me that, oh, you can't, you, you shouldn't be able to spew hate speech. Well, how often are you spewing hate speech that people want to tell you to stop? You should probably watch that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a real fascist no, myself. Go ahead. But just when people tell me, that, oh, like, oh, we need to restrict people's right to say that. No, because if you take away their right to actually say something, 
then you're actually giving them something to complain about. Oh, of course. If you take, like, yeah, people are spewing anti-Semitic things right now. It's terrible. But why can't we just say they're idiots and ignore them instead of trying to take away their rights? Sure. You have the right to say whatever the hell you want in this country. Absolutely. And you're going to reap the, the you're going to get the consequences of that. Excuse me. Kimmel made a comment. That is another quote. Okay. Kimmel made a comment about the Best Supporting Actor Award recipient's newborn daughter's name, saying that with a name like Mahershala, you can't name her Amy. Okay, Mahershala Ali, who's who won for Moonlight and is a great actor. He plays Rami Danton in the uh, House of Cards, which I love mm-hmm. that show. Um, he made a joke. Obviously, Mahershala is a different, you know, oh, it's othering him. But Mahershala is an uncommon name. Doesn't mean it's a bad name. It's just an uncommon name. I don't think it was being named Malice. His, of course of not. And intention is a huge part of this, right? Yeah. Is he trying to make somebody feel better? No. Well, but that's called a microaggression, and the more of the okay, I, get I don't it, think he but, was microaggressioning anybody. But also, it's like it's not sent, said with disdain. He's just saying Mahershala. It's an obvious joke. Mahershala. Amy is a common name. <laughs> it's three letters. Mahershala is very uncommon. In fact, that's the first time I've ever heard it. This is supposed to be an entertainment show, too. It sure is. Uh, Now, she continues, right? Ali is the first Muslim, Mahershala Ali is the first Muslim actor to win an Oscar. He adheres to Ahmadiyya, a sect of Islam that has been historically persecuted. So he could probably have done without Kimmel's jokes, designating him as different, as people on Twitter pointed out. Somebody on Twitter who's uh, Roxanne Gay is her name, but it's at R Gay. She says, you receive the greatest honor of your career and immediately after a white man reminds you that you are different. What fuckery. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. And is it because oh. I'm white? No, it's not because I'm white. It's because I don't. It's like, do you? first of all, why don't we get Mahershala Ali's opinion on it? Uh, Jessica, did you ask him for comment on this article? Did you think that he thought it was fuckery? Do you think that he gave a shit? Probably not. I think it would be more interesting if, like, doing the award show, they could go, like, to Twitter and just, like, pull up these random tweets and they have to, like, came and would have had to respond to that. Yeah, that's the thing. No, I don't think we should do that. Instead of having tweets scroll at the bottom of stuff, let's not do that anymore. If you go on Twitter and you want to get a part of this conversation and you want to see what people thought about it, then fine. It stays on Twitter. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter. Am I crazy here? Is this crazy? Like, I I get what she's saying, I guess. Like, I get the point. But I bet it didn't bother Mahershala Ali at all. It's almost like he was more focused on the fact that he just won an Oscar. Right. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. You don't think he gets... you reach out and ask him? No, I didn't reach out and ask him. Although, but I did talk to somebody that I know who is Muslim, who is a person whose opinion I value. And he's like, yeah, he probably didn't care. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, yeah, okay. I don't want to say who it was, but... You have to recognize that looking at, like, an award show like that, it's meant for the mass, for mass appeal. There's going to be some people offended, but they're not trying to... They're not really putting anything that radical out there. No, of course not. And it's It's like... it's, uh, but wait, she continues. There's way more here. Way more. Kimmel, quoting again, this is right from the article. Kimmel also highlighted Ali's name when he asked the audience to yell out Mahershala during the tour bus skit. They brought in, for people that didn't watch the Oscars, you guys watched the Oscars, nah, I'm assuming. I, I, I only watched the opening monologue because that's what you do for award shows. Oh, okay. You, you, you watch the opening monologue and what happens, happens. I watched it after the Rangers played. I went over to uh, my sister-in-law. She was having a, you know, like an Oscars viewing party. That's I nice. went over there. I played with Mabel, the dog, who I love, and, you know. The Oscars were on, so I was paying attention. Plus, it's like I do my other work on politics and whatever else I have to do. So it's like, ah, fuck it. I'll watch the Oscars. There was a skit that actually I thought played very well. They had a group of people uh, that were on a tour. They believe they were just on a tour of, Mm -hmm. like, Hollywood. 
And uh, unbeknownst to them, they were going to be brought into the theater that was showing the Oscars live. And they were going to like, oh, fuck, here we are. And it was it was pretty cool. So they brought them in anyway. So at that point, they were going to take a picture. And he goes, say Mahershala. Like, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's wild. Kimmel also made fun of Asian names during the same skit. When an Asian woman in the tour group told Kimmel her name was Yulri, he turned the joke on her. When Yulri's husband stated right after that his name was Patrick, Kimmel said, see, that's a name. Okay, yeah, crucify him. Really? Have you ever heard anybody's name Yulri before? I have. It's from a video game. But it's it's not. It's it's it's, it's inconsequential. Are you kidding me? You actually did? <laughs> yes. I, I, I've played a lot of video games. Don't You're, ruining, you're ruining the bit. Uh, Chris is stunned and offended look. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Well, anyway. So, okay. So she goes, uh, wait, wait, where I lost my place. Oh, see, that's a name. Okay. What do you want him to do? You're not, you do you do as a comic. Do you think he's not going to comment on that? And then even jewelry, the girl mm-hmm. goes, yeah, you know, like jewelry. You know why she had that ready to go? Because she's been doing it since second grade? Correct. Correct. And it's not that big a deal. It's okay. The Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Sun said this on Twitter. She goes, Kimmel is so baffled by non-Anglo names like Mahershala and Yulri. He's not baffled by them. He gets that they're names. He's just making a joke. He's just making a joke. And you know what? These are just random tweets that this girl found, the, the writer of the article, Jessica. Why write this article? Because she is a writer, and you get paid by things you write. I guess. I she guess. was given an opportunity. Do you know how she's many... getting white girl woke points for writing this? That's uh, why oh, she's writing. I have it. a question for you. Stay woke. Have you ever read like Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft, no. a bunch of like famous people, Edgar Allan Poe? Sure. Their livelihoods depended on them writing words to the paper and then literally getting paid for each one on that paper. Oh, sure. I don't think that's what we're dealing with here, but right. But she's get, but but exactly. But it's brownie points that she's competing for. And look, maybe I'm completely off base. Maybe she's She did right. a job. You're talking about maybe it. Maybe it's not. No, but it doesn't. I'm not talking about it glowingly like, oh, thank God she wrote this. We needed this. <laughs> but it's still publicity for her. I don't it's give a still- shit. No, a tweet at her. I tell her she, she, well, listen, I'll, I'll, she can call in. I don't care. I'll talk to her. I just, I just feel like we're taking it to a level that doesn't need to first also mm-hmm. it's this like paternalism or maternalism in her case over you know asian people or muslim people like you don't need to defend them if they want to defend themselves they want they can right yes. they can come out and they can write their own article about it like they can take care of themselves i'm sure you don't have to go oh that fucking jimmy kimmel he doesn't get anglo you know non-anglo names and relax and my lat my, my favorite one is the last one we're gonna talk about do you remember, like, maybe, I don't know, like a hundred podcast episodes ago, that there was a point where they actually were telling people who were Muslim that they had to come out and uh, speak against the terrorists? Like, it wasn't automatically understood? Well, they don't have to, but that's fine. You, you know what I'm I okay mean. with that. Just... No, and, you know, by the way, a lot of this, when we talk about Muslims, whatever, I'm not talking about people in America, like uh, Americanized, like Western Muslims. Like, that. The, the, the percentage of people here that are, like causing terrorist event i mean come on it, it's so small these are people that are just they're american right yes they have a religion so what but yeah but listen but we should celebrate people in the muslim world in the middle east that come out against this stuff absolutely because like it or not there is a huge percentage of people in the muslim world that are for sharia law or for 
you know, the, the, the hijab is law in Iran. Yes. And I know there's a lot of Western, pro-Western, young Iranians. We have to support those people. <laughs> That's who we should be getting behind. You, you understand what I'm saying? So it's okay if a terrorist attack happens and somebody in the Muslim world wants to come out and be like, I'm completely against that. That's great. They don't have to. But we should celebrate that and we should elevate those yes. voices. Uh, okay. This is the final point of this. This mm-hmm. one's silly to me. In, a nom- in another moment that had some viewers shaking their heads, like she was walking around America, peeking her head in people's houses and being like, oh, another head shaker. Write it down, Joyce. Uh, in another moment that had some viewers shaking their heads, Kimmel lifted up Lion Star Sonny Pawar, who is this adorable little Indian kid, uh, channeling the iconic Lion King scene in which Simba is held up over a cliff. It felt utterly... She even says this. It felt utterly well-intentioned. Okay, so you get that it was well-intentioned, utterly well-intentioned, but you're still going to whine about it. And the eight-year-old's reaction even tugged at the heartstrings. So she's going to about to criticize a moment that she herself acknowledges was well-intentioned and was heartwarming, (laughs) and she's going to shit on it because she's a dum-dum. So but, it's being a hypocrite, right? Just well, but as some viewers pointed out, how many? Six. The the image of Kimmel, a white host, holding up a brown child who doesn't speak English as a prop in a skit with African inspired music playing has racial undertones that are impossible to ignore. Actually, you can ignore them because they're probably meaningless. Here's a bigger point: Sonny Pawar does speak English because Jimmy Kimmel asked him a bunch of questions and he answered in English. He was able to answer them in English. He said, do you want, do you like the candy that dropped in the sky? Yes. He said in his Indian accent. It was cute. He's a cute little kid. This is a tweet from B. Maybe the only word he knows is yes. No, no. He said other words. He was able to do it. At B. Manuel says, Jesus Christ, Jimmy Kimmel. Can you not use a little brown kid as a prop for a Disney-fied African-themed punchline? Hashtag Oscars. Uh, Here's a bigger point to all of this. The Lion King is African. Sonny Pawar is Indian. You're the fucking racist. It's impossible to ignore. Are you crazy? So, like, are you nuts? Uh, how long have you been holding that in? Oh, I've yelled it many times this week. Like, he's Indian. He's not even African. It's, ju- it's just a cute kid who happened to be in a movie called Lion. Exactly. What? If it was last year, it would have been the kid from Room. If it was eight years ago or whatever, it would have been Abigail Breslin from Little Miss Sunshine. It was the only kid there. But That's why he used him. It's not because he's brown. You remember the little girl's name from uh, Abigail Breslin? Yeah, from Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, she was great. She got excited when she got accepted to the pageant. She screamed. That's who we would have lifted up like Simba. And then you would have been like, well, that's great because Simba's African. They have to use a little white girl. They would, You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. About that. But so it's fine to use a white kid as a prop, but you can't use any. Use of- kids as props. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, they're not human beings at all. You, yeah, you, yeah like- you. Be equal opportunity. Use every race of kids from. Yeah, props. he should have lifted up several kids. They should have, like. Are you crazy? To me, and again, is this a, a widely publicized article? No, but it's something that I come across, and it's going to give me an ulcer unless I yell about it into this microphone for twelve minutes. So that's what we did. Nicely done. Do you understand? Am I am I off kilter here? Because yes, I'm not denying, and we've talked about it a million times on the show. I'm so anti-militarized police. Uh, We've talked at length about all of these police shootings that have taken place, and it's disgusting, and I think these cops should go to jail, and systemic racism, and a lot of stuff. We've talked about it all the time. But this, to me, 
is you're you are just and you're preaching to the choir. This yeah. is Huff Post. It's not like you got this article published in the fucking Wall Street Journal or you got it put on Red State or any of the shit. Nobody cares. And now you're just arguing with people that already agree with you like 95% of the time. There, there, there's plenty to actually be offended by. Don't go looking for things to be offended by. Well, it's not. It's like, is she? She didn't even say she's personally offended. That's the even bigger problem. It's stuff she read or stuff she learned or this like academic kind of. She's offended s- for others. Sterile, right? It's this sterile language and blah blah blah, and she's becoming offended for others when her herself, she's just getting points for noticing it. She's not even. It's not even a problem. Just because something you notice, it doesn't mean it's a problem automatically. Get a quote from Marshall Ali. Get a quote from Sonny Pawar. Is he upset? No. He was most famous he ever had been at that moment. I don't think he cared that much. He probably famous didn't. Famous at that moment, really. Of course. He's, he, you know how many people watch the Oscars? At that moment, more people than ever knew who Sonny Pawar was. And she's like, well, you know, he's brown, so that was pretty fucked up. Like, are you crazy? You're othering him. At that moment, he's an Oscar nominee in a bit. You're going, yes. oh, he's a brown kid, so that was fucked up. No, you're othering him now. Oh, good God. Right? So it's this- Does she know what she just did? Yeah, exactly. Do you realize what, what you've you just done? Did? Uh, you know what I mean? Am I, am I wrong? I don't know. You might be right. Yeah. She hasn't even realized the crime she had committed. Because there's, it's always, there's no way. It also shuts down conversation, I think, when you well, do this. When you go, it, it, it's not good enough- or it's not enough, or it's not something that there's a little Indian kid there, and Mahershala Ali, who's uh, the first Muslim to win an Oscar. He, uh, a lot of black nominees won. It was a very diverse, Moonlight wins Best Picture. It's a very diverse Oscars. It doesn't mean it eliminates all problems, but you're shutting down that conversation by being like, well, yes, but. But. Are you, come on. Come on, man. And yeah, and then bigger picture. Yeah, people are getting killed by police in the street. There's tremendous violence in in poor neighborhood. What what are you what what are you doing? During the uh, really? This is this is what we got to talk about. I don't know. Is it Sunday night? Yeah, okay. Well, this is what I saw and it annoyed me, so okay. I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Matt, any final thoughts on this? No, this one doesn't I mean it just seems stupid to me. Like, just don't be offended for no reason. Let people, yeah. Could yeah. he have made, could he have been maybe more careful with his words? Sure. Yeah, but then those aren't jokes anymore. Yeah, I mean, at a certain, you, but they're not funny. You, you guys, just, it's not like these are like hilarious jokes that are gonna go down in like the annals of history. But it's like, no, it's a quick one-off that just right. It's not like it's live television, Jessica. Why don't you host the Oscars and see what see how funny your jokes are in the on the in the moment? You know, it's Jimmy Kimmel. It's not George Carlin. He's not out there trying to offend. He's just no. He's just being funny, and I thought he did a good job. All right. Every, every year, someone's offended by the Oscars. Every single I know. year. Well, because we got to find a, re- a reason. Congratulations, Jimmy Kimmel. You got points from Chris. Absolutely. I thought Jimmy Kimmel did a good job. Did you ever watch The Man Show? His, uh, yeah. I mean, probably. I'm sure. Back in the day, yeah. you know, goes on trampolines. Yeah. Yeah. Did that you watch Ben Stiller? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you have. A, yeah, okay. I've watched yes. The Man okay. Show, of course. It wasn't like my favorite show, but I watched. Do you it, remember yeah. when Ben Stein's money? Sure do. I liked probably Win Ben Stein's Money better than I liked The Man Show, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah, and Kimmel okay. was the co-host. I know. So to come from that and host the Oscars, huge. 
Absolutely. He's got a Huge. late night talk show. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Jimmy Kimmel's good. I like he's, Jimmy he's Kimmel. Doing a great job. Yeah. I think but he's, he's racist. I think he's made it at this point. Well, he makes a lot of racist jokes. You yeah, know? very racist. Does he's he, othering people. Does he haven't seen any of his other stuff? No, of, okay. what the fuck? No, I don't know. Of course <laughs> not. He also jokes with Matt Damon. He, you know, oh, that's been going on, on for Matt years. Damon, right? That's been on for years. Matt though. Damon, white as fuck. <laughs> I don't like it. It bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, marijuana and transgender rights. This is going to be another one that I'm excited to get into because it's so, again, it's like the left or or people that probably should just be getting along, okay. arguing with each other. It's crazy. What are you trying to write down? Matt Damon, why <laughs> Matt Damon get shit on or something? Yeah, I just, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Last week, White House press baby Sean Spicer. Oh, yeah. I've decided I'm going to start calling him the White House press baby. <laughs> That's fine. Sean Spicer. So the White House press secretary. He's just the White House press baby. Yeah, press baby. That's fine. <laughs> Mr. Trump. Last week, White House press baby Sean Spicer had this to say <laughs> about legal recreational marijuana. Quote, there's a big difference between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. And I think that when you see something like the opioid addiction crisis blossoming in so many states around this country, the last thing we should be encouraging people. There's still a Wait, federal. No, I'm let me finish. No, 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 no. Fuck that. There was no way marijuana can be linked to the opiate epidemic of heroin. He's linking it. No way. No way in hell. It I'm goes, sorry. It goes back to the myth of the gateway drug. That, oh, once you start this drug, like everyone who's on heroin smokes weed, therefore it's, it's what people got into first. Sure. Heroin yeah. is an issue because it's a shit ton cheaper than the fucking marijuana is right now. Well, it's cheaper than the booze. It's cheaper than the cigarettes. It's cheaper than candy in some you're, cases. You're, you're circling the point. It's cheaper than the OxyContin, which is what people get addicted to first. Yes. Which is heroin. You know, it's just pill yeah. heroin. And then they go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to fucking shoot heroin. And you know what the cheapest drug is? For kids to go into their parents' medicine cabinet and get that OxyContin. So 100%. That's when they get, a hook, get hooked. Right. And then... My best friend overdosed on heroin. You know what he used to do all the time? Mm-hmm. Smoke a shitload of weed. Didn't kill him. Never killed him. You know what killed him? Fucking heroin. Yeah. Let's not compare the two things. It's a per- like and- it's an actual personal thing to me. He was fine when he was smoking weed. Yes. Okay? And totally fine. I don't know the guy. I'm making the assumption that he, the weed didn't get him into heroin. No. No. No, of course not. That wasn't the next logical step. Although, I'll tell you what, pills probably got him into heroin because I know he did that once in a while as well. Okay. Uh, Sean Spicer continues... So that's a stupid, insane thing to say anyway. But he goes, there's still a federal law that we need to abide by when it comes to recreational marijuana and other drugs that matter. Then he was asked uh, of that nature. Excuse me. Then he goes, will the federal government take action around recreational marijuana? And he goes, that's a question for the Department of Justice. I do believe that you'll see greater enforcement of it. Recreational use is something the Department of Justice will be looking into. Oh, great. I warned everybody when this, when this fuck got elected and Sessions and all these people, they're going to go after marijuana. Now, meanwhile, days earlier, Spicer said that the Trump administration deemed the federal protections barring schools from discriminating against trans students a matter of, quote, states' rights and led to their decision to repeal those guidelines allowing transgender students federally, it was a federal guideline, to allow transgender students to use whatever bathroom they feel you know, their, their gender is mm-hmm. now they're repealing that because this is a state's rights issue. Marijuana, interestingly, which has been it's legalized. a federal issue. Yeah. Which has been legalized in several States. Now that's a, that's a federal issue, but this is not how, why I don't understand. Oh, damn it. I have a great clip. 
how, why? Thank you, Joey. Good question. You walked on yourself. <laughs> you fucking walked on yourself, bro. Uh, I look like a fucking pimp. All right, relax. <laughs> you um, want to fix this in post? We just, we just no, no, again. no. That's funny. No, but okay. I, I remember now. I have a how, why clip. It's yeah, great. Joey, you do look like a fucking pimp. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, so that that's how these two things are linked, right? Because they're yeah. going to say marijuana, which is like pretty much like heroin, is you know federally illegal but legal in many states making a ton of money for people not a problem cures a lot of illnesses like is a benefit generally in yeah. all senses better in my opinion than society alcohol, does not collapse whatever. if it becomes legal no okay, it, it probably that. gets better right if you mm-hmm. the more that this is accessible to people that it can be used in medical there, uh me- mental issue whatever you know what i mean but okay there, there's more tax revenue coming in people are happier and we're not funding mexican drug cartels right all good things okay but that federally we're gonna look into that that's something yeah. we gotta deal mm-hmm. with transgender issue the bathroom thing that's a state's rights thing let's let the states handle it uh okay why but all right fine how would you even enforce it let's play that game well i get it though here's the thing mm-hmm. i understand making it like schools can determine it or county. The problem is if you're a transgender kid that lives in Alabama, that's the problem because you're not going to be able to go piss in the fucking girl's room. If you're a guy physically that feels he's a female gender, you know what I mean? You're just not gonna be able to do that. That's the problem. That's why you just make a federal law. You go, listen, let people piss wherever they fucking feel comfortable. Okay. We can get into this a little bit more. How about this? How about we just mandate that every school has to have like five bathrooms in it and they can be mixed gen, you know, you just hmm. use them. Just individual bathrooms. You don't need a fucking 18 stalls or whatever. We, we yeah, can't do that. You, you, you just do what they do in the mall. You, you have the uh, the men's room. You have the woman's room. No, but that's the problem. Then you have the family room. Oh, sure. Okay, right. The other yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah do whatever yeah. you want. Well, then they're going to feel other. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Go piss wherever you want. Um, okay, now... I do want to make this point, though, Uh before we get into it, because I have a clip of Caitlyn Jenner talking to the... uh, What do I want to do here? Yeah, what direction do you want to take this? Well, I'm just trying to decide what order I want to do it, because I had it in an order, but I think maybe I'm going to take it out of the order just so we have this conversation first. Yeah, all right. So let's have this conversation first. Then we're going to listen to Caitlyn Jenner, and then we're going to listen to Isis King, who's another transgender person who doesn't like Caitlyn Jenner. Okay. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, here we go, down the rabbit hole. Okay. I saw this post on Instagram that I saw at first and I was like, yeah. And then I thought about it. And I was like, no, it's not about bathrooms as it was never about water fountains. How do you guys feel about that? And then I'll talk about it. The obvious comparison huh. is this is discriminatory against transgender people, not because we're not allowing them to pee in whatever bathroom they feel their gender is. It's, you know, discriminatory against people the same way that not letting black people no drink from fountain. the same water fountains, segregation, whatever. They're, they're trying to say they're not equal. Like it, it, it's true that there is, a, it is. An so equal. you agree with this Instagram post that says it's not about bathrooms as it was never about water fountains. I think there's some truth to it. Joey. At the end of the day, someone's trying to make a point. It's trying to make a point. I disagree. Here's the thing. I get it that it's not allowing people to, you know, kind of be themselves. But there's a big difference between not letting black people, people, just people, mm-hmm. who have a different skin color, visibly a different skin You're going, they're second class to us whiteies 
they can go use a different door. They can wait in a different line. They can use a different uh, water fountain. It's it is different, especially. But the th- fact is, at the end of the day, it's there is a difference, and you can't at the same time have a difference and not there not be a difference. Well, because you here's here's the big problem. You two problems that I'm going to bring up. All right. First, what I was going to say, in, when it comes to school bathrooms. I can understand if you're a parent, I'm not necessarily saying one's right or whatever, but I understand as a parent, if you have a seven year old girl, okay, that you're, you're her father, she, or her mother, whatever, she's going to school and there's a seven year old boy who says he's a girl, but physically he's a boy and he wants to use the girl's room. Maybe as a parent, I'd go, I don't really want that to be the case. It doesn't mean you hate transgender people. It doesn't mean that you, you know, you're, you're ignoring them or whatever, or even older, even in high school or something. Maybe I don't want that to be the case. It, doesn't it was mean a crazy idea. Happen. I don't think it makes a fucking difference because in a woman's bathroom, there's a stall with things on each end. It's not like it's fucking open. Understood. But I'm just like, saying there's you, a bunch of urinals. Like I, I feel it would be a different situation. I get it. If you had a female, well, either way, I'm saying. However, one use a stall, and you would have to stand and do like it's it, it's you know. I'm just saying it's a bigger issue than just like well, you're not accepting transgender. Well, okay, maybe, but also here's the other problem: black people are black people, right? They mm-hmm. they uh, have a certain heritage, they have a certain uh, color of their skin, like they are they're that that's what it is. You have to take a transgender person's word for it is another aspect of it. I'm not saying they're lying, but I'm just saying that's the difference between the water fountain bathroom comparison. Like, no, that a black person is black. (laughs) They are born that way. They are going to be that way. That's it. You know what I mean? Unless they're Michael Jackson, I guess. But the the transgender thing, it's like you've got to take people's word for it. But use use the words that they're born that way. And I, like, I can't speak to it. I don't know anything about being transgender myself, being transgender, but, they would say they're born with it too. That's the way they're born. Some would, but then there's also fluid gender people that go, well, on Monday I'm female, on Tuesday I, that's a real thing. People that are, you know, uh, fluid gendered. So now we're getting into like this weird, this isn't that, but I'm just saying that's why that post about like it was never about bathrooms as it was never about water fountains. That you're being, right. you're being, you, that's a false equivalency. All right. I get it, but that's not the it's same. Not like certain equi- it's not the same. It's not necessarily equivalency. It's more, okay, this is, they the, are equating trying to make a point that no, they're equating it's, it. It's still about them being any not being equal, and nobody's saying they're not equal. They're just saying maybe in certain circumstances we do not want a man, like a phys- a biological man who believes he's a woman or feels like he's a woman trapped in a man's body to use the same bathroom as genetically genetic women. That's all. That's and I, I'm not. I don't give a fuck. Let whoever use whatever bathroom. It doesn't bother me. But I'm just saying. That's not necessarily the same as being like, oh, these people that we've kept in bondage for a hundred years, like they can't. It's fine. We'll let them not be slaves anymore, but they have to sh- not drink the same water fountain as us. They're gross. Okay, that's so, different. All right, that's way different. Obviously. All right, so th- that argument. Okay, that's n- not the conversation I want to focus. Okay, on. Okay, yeah, no. I'm the just, conversation I want to focus on is I don't see what the problem is to have any person piss in any room they want. The issue is is. That individual a threat to anybody else because they're in a different bathroom. That is what my question is. Right. If they are a threat, then absolutely. 
hundred percent, no. Yeah, of course, but we don't want anybody that's but if a threat. There, I, I know that's yeah. what I mean. But if there was no threat, which I don't see there being a threat, considering that this is school, this and this is a place of education, this is a place of acceptance. Well, if that's that not necessarily and, true, but right, okay. Well, well <laughs> a school is just an automatically a place of acceptance. I, it should be, but here's the but the, here's the thing though. You guys didn't acknowledge it. Like, as a parent of a seven year old girl, eight year old girl, nine year old girl, or boy, whatever, do you? Could you understand at least from their perspective, like, yeah, maybe I don't want a boy that says he's actually a girl in the bathroom with my daughter. It doesn't mean that he's going to do anything to her, but it's just like, it's maybe it's weird. People can't go, ah, maybe it's weird. No. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't care, I guess. You're, you're, I don't have a kid. I don't know. Here's my question. At seven or eight, can a child, do you trust your opinion that your child is transgender? That's that's what I was talking about. That was the other point I brought up. We're oh, you can't even start a, we, we can't even have that conversation with the, the psychological profiling. Exactly. And, that's and all that, because the, a lot of people argue that it's decided before age four, and I, I'm not But that's what I'm, I'm saying. equipped that's to have this of, conversation. That's part of the issue, too. <laughs> that's part of the issue, too. Right? Okay, I get, at what point... So we're not allowed to question that at all? If my nine-year-old boy comes to me and goes, Dad, I'm a girl. I go, what do you mean? We'll have that conversation. I'm going to want to believe the kid, but also, this is a nine-year-old kid. I don't know. It's a very... Um, it's pretending that's something that is extremely complicated and not settled in any way, right? There's uh-huh. no way to actually... There's no test where you go, oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way to do that. We're pretending that it is that. We're pretending it's a black and white issue. We're pretending that it's the same as segregation. It's not. And in no way am I advocating for trans people to be, uh, you know, treated poorly or whatever, or that Trump, sh- I think it should be, a f- you know, who gives a shit? It's a federal mandate or whatever. Just let it be. It, it really it has no bearing. But th- But this is a complicated issue. And let's not pretend it's not a complicated issue. It is because psychologically we don't know. And what percentage of people change their mind or whatever? I mean, you know, these are other factors. It doesn't have to do with this story, but like, I don't know, man. And what even percentage of the population is transgender also? Because I feel like it's disproportionately talked about as an issue when what percentage of the population is even transgender? Do we even know? What percentage of people that are are fluid gender that that literally on Monday go I feel like a man but on Tuesday I feel like well there are real people like that there are interviews that you can watch I honestly I don't think we know what the numbers are because I feel that there is a stigmatism associated with it and the individual might not want to uh, have it be announced per se uh, sure yeah. I guess that's true. But but you are right. That's a very small portion of the population. I mean, a frat, and, and, tiny. And, and that's, I think, the biggest difference of why black 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 rights are uh, were so much more crucial is that, okay, it's a much larger portion of the population. And I think that's why you're seeing well, yeah. this now is as, as rights do start to get better for larger parts of the population, you do start to look towards these still, the still oppressed minorities in these regards. Right. Sure. So like that's why you're seeing this is the front the new frontier of of right of uh, human rights because. Well, it's still, and well, but but it's saying the new frontier of human rights. Yeah, we haven't solved the the no no the, the all the other human rights problems. You know, what I mean, just add this one to the list. Them for them, but at the, right. same, at the same time, we know the language. Of, we know the language of of the civil rights movement. We know all these things. We're getting into when we're getting into transgender. We don't know like you're a very liberal guy, fairly liberal guy. You know nothing about it, basically. You know, I mean, you okay, that's but it's well, you I'm know, not like embedded in the community. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's, it's like, 
it's making this more mainstream and getting the, get, starting the conversations where we're at. Right. Yeah, but you know what? The, true. And here's the thing, though. Trump going, you know, they're essentially saying, let schools decide. Yeah, maybe that is the right thing. To, like, if you're in the school, there's probably one transgender kid in the school. And that probably feels tough if you're that person. But let the school just go, yeah, it's okay. J- James can use the girls' bathroom, you know. Or just have... <laughs> Or just have a, have a few non-gendered bathrooms in the school. Is one well, that's the ultimate solution, right? Instead of having like communal bathrooms, fucking have eight bathrooms in a school, just like a house does. All right. So when we have right. easy solution. All right. So when we have a minority, there's usually an outspoken person that speaks for the community. Uh-huh. Can we please have such a person now speak for the community? Yeah. Let's hear from probably. I mean, reasonably the most famous transgender person. Yes. Right. This is uh, Caitlyn Jenner posted this video, I guess, on her Facebook. Um, and this is her just talking about the the ban and, and Trump and, you know, we'll talk about it. And then we'll get to the open letter to Caitlyn Jenner from somebody else. All right. This is Caitlyn Jenner talking about the whole situation. I have a message for the trans kids of America. You're winning. I know it doesn't feel like it today or every day, but... You're winning. Very soon, we will win full freedom nationwide, and it's going to be with bipartisan support. You can help by checking out the National Center for Transgender Equality and letting Washington hear you loud and clear. Now I have a message for the bullies. You're sick. And because you're weak, you pick on kids, you pick on women, or anyone else you think is vulnerable. Apparently, even becoming the Attorney General isn't enough to cure some people of their insecurities. As proof, the Supreme Court will soon hear a very important Title IX case, thanks to the courage of a very brave young man, Gavin Grimm. Mr. President, we'll see you in court. Finally, I have a message for President Trump from, well, one Republican to another. Can I tell you how, this is what I'm talking about, man. The simulation is just insane. Yeah. Why Why are you, it's so funny that Caitlyn so, Jenner's Republican. All right, so this because he's rich. All right. So this just reminded me of something now that we're on the topic of transgender. Sure. Uh, you follow Joe Rogan, right? To the gates of hell. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you remember the uh, the little shitstorm he got caught up in when he was uh, talking about the wrestler? No, about. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, can't think of her name. Yes. But there's a, a, a man transitioned to female. Yes. MMA fighter. And was having fights against women, like within a year or whatever after his transition to to female. But this is a person that's in like I believe the her thirties or whatever forty. Uh-huh. This is an older person, fully developed male body, transitioned to a woman, and then was fighting women in MMA and was beating the shit out of these women. And Rogan's point was like, this is not. It's not an issue of equality. It's an issue of. This is a person with a male body. Figure. Figure. Yes. Hands, different chin, different jaw, all this stuff, and is pummeling women in these fights. And he was saying it was, it was fucked up. And most people agreed with him. If you go on yes. like any of the sites where they take the opinion polling, like 90% of people agree with him. Now, but he caught some shit about it, but he's 100% right. There's also another story. It's just a reality yes. of the biological body. It is what it is. There's also another story about the the wrestling kid. You... You, you saw any of that? Sure. You want to give me a little backstory on that for people that don't know? Um, 
I believe it's... You have a lot of faith in me because you throw stuff out. You're like, <laughs> you know that, right? And you yeah. expect me Chris, to tell you the you know story. everything. You know all. <laughs> Chris is omniscient. Yeah, I dabble in a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah well, so you, you had someone who was undefeated in wrestling who's transitioning to be a... I don't remember which way that she's he or she is transitioning. I don't know. Yeah. We can Google it kind of as we're going here. Yeah, with the steroids, I think. Oh, so it's female to male, right? E- yeah. No, no. I don't remember. Well, we got to look it up. God yeah. damn it. Well, hold on. Let Caitlyn Jenner figure it, finish okay. what she's saying. Matt, you look that up while we're working on it. It's the high school wrestler situation that's been going on recently. This is a disaster, and you can still fix it. I don't think it's a disaster. I mean, is it a disaster? It's not good, mm-hmm. but it's not a disaster yet. Well, when you have a individual's rights being taken away by the majority. Dude, where is it written that we have the right to piss in whatever bathroom we want? Where is that written? I Apparently get, it's a federal... I get what you're saying. I'm being, no, it's not a federal law. It's a federal guideline. It's not a fucking law. And I, that's why it was easy to go, oh, yeah, we're not going to abide by that. <laughs> it's. I'm not advocating for it, and I, I get what you mean, uh-huh. but let's play semantics. It's not a right. <laughs> you don't even have a right to a bathroom. That's not written anywhere. Hold on. Let's. Just... You made a promise to protect the LGBTQ community. Call me. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner wants to have a conversation with Trump. I hope that happens. And that is true. Trump did run on the idea of like protecting that community, but you know that the goofballs around him, Sessions and oh, they, all these people, they're, they're... they wanted to bun it down to the ground. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Uh, so Mac Beggs is a female to ma- female to male wrestler or transgender. Uh, the issue is that. She's taking supplemental hair, uh, t- t- testosterone. Right. I was saying heroin back in the day. It's kind of like, no, she's oh not my taking gosh. that. She's got bigger 70 problems. 70-year-old wrestler? God. Right. Right. And she's undefeated, but then some people didn't want to wrestle her or whatever. And listen, understandable, she's taking fucking testosterone. Well, and I also remember, certainly remember I wrestled back in the day and there was, it was, no one wanted to be the guy who had, had to wrestle a girl. It was, that was a Well, that's awkward. true too. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, but that that's was definitely you know, a thing. That's an ego thing for sure. Yeah. But okay. But it's also a, an issue of like, yeah, this person's taking like increased testosterone. Yeah. So that's, you're not allowed to do that in a professional fight. So why would you be allowed to do, you get a, an, an exemption because you're transitioning or right, whatever. But that, but anyway, did you have a point about that? No, I just thought it was odd. That's, it yeah. is odd. It's, it's, it's see, strange, he, you know. See, just, see, here's the other thing too is I. She's I, not, str- I mean, whatever. It's a weird uh, situation. Again, it's a new but thing. But something we're not used to. Yeah. And we shouldn't pretend though that like, well, you got to get on board with like, I don't want people to be treated poorly, but there no. are things that are come up where we're going to have to have a conversation about. It does. I can't just go. Sure. I mean, I can, but I don't expect that everybody can. No, they can't. So now, why is the other one mad at? Uh... <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's what makes me so happy. So I was watching, uh, or I was looking at the Huffington Post, and it was like ISIS King, like furious with caitlin jenner or something who the hell is this now again caitlin jenner very famous trans person feels like not doing anything damaging to the idea of trans people seems like a positive force right okay coming out and saying something to trump i mean what, what do you want her to do okay so this is isis king now this is an open letter she wrote to everybody but specifically to caitlin jenner she goes I have a story it felt I felt it was time for me to share in light of the recent headlines about access for trans students referring to the bathroom thing. Now, but I don't understand why this would be the time to like 
be critical of another trans person, but okay, but this is the moment she chose. A few months back, I attended Trans Nation Queen USA pageant here in LA. Excuse me. After walking the red carpet, I was ushered to a private elevator to meet the judges, contestants, and fellow special guests. It was a community event in support of trans people, so of course, I was excited. While waiting for the elevator with an event organizer, Caitlyn Jenner, and I'm assuming her manager or assistant, walked over to the elevator bank. We had never met before, but of course, both being trans women uh, doing public work on behalf of our community, I was looking forward to meeting her. Instead, Caitlin and her handler walked in front of me as if I had not been waiting and straight into the empty elevator. I was stunned when not only did Caitlin and her handler walk into the elevator, but the woman who was ushering me joined them and told me, I'm sorry, can you wait until the next one comes? The elevator shut in my face. I was completely stunned because the elevator could clearly hold at least eight people. I could not believe that this happened to me and immediately felt as I have just been told to get to the back of the bus. Are you nuts, fuckhead? Caitlyn Jenner is rich. That's why she got in the elevator. It has nothing to do with you. And also, can we please not compare the fact that as a VIP at a trans beauty pageant, you had to wait six seconds to get the next elevator up do not compare that to black people not being able to sit in the front of the bus. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? And you you can't say that this is a us versus them mentality of like she Caitlyn Jenner is also trans. You like that? Well, whatever. But, but it's like okay, maybe she's a shitty person. Yeah, that's exact exactly. Yeah. She, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner has been rich and, and famous her entire exactly. life. Exactly. It's just right. some people are assholes. Oh wait, she continues. It was as if I was not good enough, not worthy enough, not rich enough. Ding! Didn't win a gold medal. Didn't win a gold medal. Not famous enough. Ding! To ride with these three white women. Wasn't wasn't I also there as a special guest? Are you kidding me? This is what I'm saying. Like, come on. It's a bit much for me. It's kooky. She won. And also, it's like, be more dramatic. Like... I was stunned. Really, you were shocked by the fact that you got lesser treatment than the most famous transgender person in the world who's been rich for decades, won uh, gold medal. Exactly. Like, really, you're shocked by that? And yes, on top of that, it's probably because you're black. Or I actually don't even know what race Isis King is because I don't know what she looks like, but she's non-white. So yes, that's probably what factored in here. Definitely. Uh it took nearly wait, this gets this two more paragraphs. Oh god. It took nearly everything out of me not to turn around and leave the event. The amount of privilege that was thrown in my face made me feel so uncomfortable. I'm finally breaking my silence about this experience. Oh, thank you. You're so brave for coming out about this unfortunate elevator incident you had with a famous person. Jeez. Why don't you go? Ugh. I'm finally breaking my silence about this experience because I just saw the clip of Caitlin calling out Donald Trump. And it reminded me that internal issues of color and class within the trans community have to be dealt with. So now it's not even an issue of like trans people getting acceptance in general society. Now she wants to go even deeper and talk about the issues of race and class within the trans community on top of trying to get trans people. Like, are you fucking nuts? Well, there's always been inclusive and fighting with different groups yeah that's also why you always do the bigger enemy or the uh the bigger uh, the bigger issues and you bring people together it's just 
It's human nature. Like, like if there uh, right. wasn't a bigger thing, you're going to fight amongst themselves. Okay. Issues of color and class in the trans community have to be dealt with. I believe it clouds Caitlin's ability to actually relate to this community. Oh, Our community that she advocates for. Caitlin, I have like so many women of color help blaze trails for our sisters, brothers, and siblings. And I have seen how you treated me. We do not need you to save us. So now, now, <laughs> she, a person who's experienced a lot of bias and- Is being biased being against othered. Caitlyn yeah, Jenner. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. I don't think this white bitch- can uh, you know i don't think she can relate to us you're out <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> do you not understand what you're doing she, she didn't steal the elevator view from you because you were trans or, or not white it's because she's just an asshole she would have done it to anyone or if you I, don't know you don't know what the reason was maybe they had a reason maybe she was late maybe she was about to give us you don't know if i was staying there she would have taken the elevator for me Right. Do you think it'd be different? Exactly. Do you think if I was there and ISIS King was there, they'd be like, yeah, not you. Whitey, you can come in. <laughs> to me? Really? You're white. You're cool. You're, Are you fucking nuts? No. You're, you're, a white no. Cis, you're a white cis male. You're welcome in this elevator with a uh, transgendered woman. Right. Do you it's, have an Armani suit on, It's though? preposterous. That's this my is question. preposterous to it, me. If you're there and you're in an Armani suit, she tells you to get in the elevator. You think? Yeah, with the Rolex. Oh, maybe. I don't know. No, no. I think she's one to be alone and just one, like, everyone wants to talk to Caitlyn Jenner all day because she's the famous transgender. So she she's going to say, okay, I'm going to get in the elevator where, with no one else so I don't get asked questions. Who the who knows why? Yeah. Or, right, back to the original point, she's an asshole. So what? Yeah. Okay. Is that, gra- is that like, classic? Yeah, it's... Uh... So you go from, like, a kind of a noble thing of, like, let the kids piss where they want. To now, this one is talking about okay, we gotta we gotta deal with the issues of class within the trans community before, and we gotta get rid of Caitlyn. Like, come on, man, Listen, what are you doing? We need bigger elevators. Yeah, I guess. No, those that could fit at least eight people, Joey. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me. Here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break. Let me refresh, and uh-huh. then we're gonna go through the uh, the Trump clips, and then we'll close the show. There's going to be a lot of ranting. I know. I feel it coming. It felt good last week. I think I got to find more things like this to rant about. Because I had you on the phone and and uh, you almost started right in. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe's like, okay, save it for, save it for the podcast. And I'm like, well, you fucking brought it up. He's like, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, okay. So we're going to get into the Trump uh, congressional address clips in one second. Stick around. All right, let's continue with the program. This is the last thing we're going to do. We're go- So Trump gave his first address to Congress mm-hmm. on whatever night, Tuesday night, I guess. Uh, I watched that. I took the notes like I normally take for like a debate or something like that. Oh, really? It's been a long time. Yeah, no, I know. It felt good. Do you want to tell the people what that process is like? Or Yeah, guys, this is this is an amazing process. <laughs> Chris, amazing. Chris locks himself in a bubble mm-hmm. and he watches the show and he writes down what he's thinking about at that moment. It's a hermetically sealed chamber. Without being influenced by any other person, individual cat, dog, whatever it may be. Right. And these are his thoughts. Yeah. So we also have the email from uh, Olivia in here. Oh, nice. Gonna get to. And I felt like there was something else. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to have to break down a whole bunch. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, this is the whole two-minute thing that we got to talk about, yeah. too. Okay. That's what I'm excited for. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So here we go. So the first clip we got, 
Trump is talking about, he's updating the American people on the progress that he's made in the short time that he's been the president of the United States. Mm. And he says a couple of things that I'm like, that's not true. So let's, let's start with that. There's only like a few clips, but I think it's worth noting these things. All right, this is uh, the president. Since my election, Ford, Fiat Chrysler, General Motors, Sprint, SoftBank, Lockheed, Intel, Walmart, and many others have announced that they will invest billions and billions of dollars in the United States and will create tens of thousands of new American jobs. Okay, not Intel. Remember, we talked about that a yes. couple of weeks ago. Definitely not. Intel decided in 2012 they were going to do this. General Motors, Chrysler, or Walmart. They had, they also had announced all of these things well before Trump became the president. He can't take credit for them. And this is something I talked about right when Trump got elected, like the week before. Yes. I was like, just pay attention because, or right before he took office. I was like, don't let him take credit for shit that he had nothing to do with. And he's trying to do that, of course. Um, he also, at the end of this, said, we need to save coal miners' jobs. We don't. And I have an email from Olivia that we're going to get into in a second. Uh, just want to point this out. Obama took over when the economy was in free fall. We were losing 800,000 jobs a month. Things were terrible. And he signed a huge stimulus bill. Right. Yes. Obama continued the recovery efforts of Bush and with Republican support from Congress, which ultimately controls the purse strings of government. This is what Trump continued to say after he, you know, made the false claims about these jobs that he's brought in government. We have undertaken a historic effort to massively reduce job crushing regulations, creating a deregulation task force inside of every government agency. That's not a good idea. <laughs> And we're imposing a new rule which mandates that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's lip service to a base of people that don't really know what regulations are. We're going to stop the regulations that threaten the future and livelihood of our great coal miners. Uh, okay. How... How is he still talking about coal? Like, seriously. I know, you already won. This is the email we got from Olivia. She goes, hey, Chris, I hope you, ha uh, you and the rest of the gang are doing well. I've been really enjoying the podcast lately and also your commentary on the J-Chain podcast. Thank you. I wanted to share an opinion with you. I have about the coal mining situation and get your take on it. I definitely agree with you on how it's outdated and should be left in the past, but that would still leave us with a lot of unemployed people. So what if we did something similar to what we do with military veterans? I mean, a lot of these workers don't want to leave because they don't know how to do anything else. So if we help pay for their education, that could help them get a new job that is better. I know that, excuse me, I know this probably isn't something the Trump administration would be open to, but if we have a Democratic president after him, it could help a lot. Even if we just gave them financial aid for online school or community college, that could help them find a new career and move forward after coal mining is done. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Keep up the great work with the podcast. I hope you guys have a good day. Thank you. Yay. Olivia. That was very polite. <laughs> She's the best. She's written in a bunch of times. She's extremely polite. Very, very nice person. Uh, thoughts on that, guys? I mean, I... I think it, I mean, it sounds great if you can implement it, but some if you're dealing with some of these people who are maybe like in their 50s or 60s, have been doing coal mining for a long time, and they're looking more, they want more want to be looking towards retirement than new okay. entirely new profession. Then let's put them out to pasture. Then that's fine. We have social uh, pro we have social programs I mean, 
to take care of people like that. And that's it. If people can be retrained, let's retrain them. Obama did it. We talked about it. He put $2 million away to teach Virginia coal miners how to fucking operate drones. Yeah. It's probably not ideal, but there's you can put people to work installing solar panels or building solar yeah, panels or building wind pa- you know, whatever. Let's do it. Put them into the natural gas industry or the solar industry or the wind industry. Uh, of course. Let Can we stop going back and trying to fucking uh, uh, glorify coal, which that killed your grandpappy. It killed him. He got the black lung. That's a real thing. <laughs> Why do you want to stick in that job? That's dumb. It's just dumb. And we have to accept that at a certain point. And like Matt said, some people are not going to be trainable. Okay. Yeah. Then that's it. Then we then we figure out a way to help those people. But come on. We can figure out a better way. So I hate that Trump keeps bringing that up. It's stupid. It's backwards thinking. It's a, and it's a good question by Olivia. It's a dead technology. It's a dying technology. It's Nobody over. Nobody wants right. coal. It's no, it's over. All right. Uh, let me skip ahead to the next clip. We're gonna go through it quickly because, except for the one part that Joey was referencing, but we'll get to that. Oh, no, there's, there's a few other parts that All might right, take, we'll take some time. Uh, here, let's just listen to Trump and then we're gonna disagree with him. We must honestly acknowledge the circumstances we inherited. Yeah, okay, yes. Oh, good. Things are great. <laughs> Is that what he's gonna say? Do you think he's gonna say things are great? No, 94 million Americans are out of the labor force. Over 43 million people are now living in poverty, and over 43 million Americans are on food stamps. More than one in five people in their prime working years are not working. We have the worst financial recovery in 65 years. Uh, Based on what? The only comparable thing is the Great Depression. That's it. Those are the only two things, because Obama inherited an economy that was destroyed and yeah. brought it back from the depths, and it's fine. Like, all basis of the economy are good. They're, they're, it's nonsense to say that. So what are you comparing it to? The last time we almost ruined the entire economy? Yeah, he's doing fine by that. In the last eight years, the past administration has put on more new debt than nearly all of the other presidents combined. Yeah, well, that's that. Oh, that's why, because I had this shit out of order. But that was my point that I was trying to make. It's like, yeah, because Obama had to pay for the stimulus package. You know what I mean? Like Bush left office having spent a trillion dollars on war, a stimulus package, all the shit. And Obama had to pay for it. That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was policies that Bush enacted and Bush came in with a, with a surplus. Of course. And Henry Paulson, who was appointed by Bush, was the fucking Treasury secretary. And he was he approved all this shit. What are you, crazy? Also, that 94 million people out of work number is outrageous. I fucking hate when they bring that shit up. Here's how they get to that number. Let's do it. The 94 million number is counting people who are 16 or older, not in the labor force, which includes retired people, high school and college students, and people with a disability. So yeah, if you start counting everybody 16 and older, people that are in high school that don't need to work or whatever, retired people, sure, yeah, then it's 94 94 million million. people. But otherwise, it's absolutely not. The unemployment rate in January is 4.8%, or about 7.5 million people who are looking for work but can't find it. Let's give them 10 million people are out of work. Right? Because they're going to go, well, that's not the real number. The real number is actually, okay. It's always been that way. But okay, let's say 10 million people who are looking for work but can't find it. That's not a lot. Well, and you can try to factor in people who are underemployed, jobs that are below their education level. But still, the numbers just aren't what he says they are. No, it's a complete nonsense. But the the, the 94 million thing is what really drives me crazy. It's like, sure, yeah, if you count literally everybody who's older than 16, but that's not how we count it. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Like, I didn't need a job in high school. I was fortunate. I didn't need one. So I count towards that 94 million, but I wasn't even looking for a job. Okay. 
Now he talks about infrastructure. This worries me. We'll see how it plays out, but it worries me the way he phrases a lot of it. And Red State, which is a site that I've started going to, it's a more conservative site, had a piece pointing out that deficit hawk Paul Ryan applauded a trillion-dollar infrastructure program, which he should definitely be against and was against when Obama proposed it. Remember when we had Obama standing under a fucking bridge and he was like, we can rebuild this. And they were like, go fuck yourself. Nope. Nope. Now Trump says it. Now they're all jacking off behind him, clapping. Paul Ryan, this two-faced fuck. All right, here we go. Truly great national infrastructure program, the building of the interstate highway system. The time has come for a new program of national rebuilding. Which, okay, if that's done correctly, I agree. The problem is what he's about to say after this stupid applause. America has spent approximately $6 trillion in the Middle East. All the while, our infrastructure at home is crumbling. With the $6 trillion, we could have rebuilt our country twice, and maybe even three times if we had people who had the ability to negotiate. Oh, I wonder who he's talking about. Now, to launch our national rebuilding, I will be asking Congress to approve legislation that produces a $1 trillion investment in infrastructure of the United States, financed through both public and private capital. Uh-uh. Oh, that means he's got friends. Public-private partnerships, that's no good. You know how a toll road works, right? They put a toll there. Uh-huh. And, you know, you pay a toll to cross a bridge or do uh-huh. whatever. And that, then that goes to, like, the care of the road. Yeah. The problem with a private partnership is that it's a road that you always use that doesn't require a toll. But now you've just put a middleman in between, a private company, that's going to build it. And then we're going to pay them a subsidy, taxes or whatever, oh. to maintain that road, even potentially on top of a toll, perhaps. So there's going to be that's two tolls. And, yes. And I imagine that they'll get the money that they're that they in the contract saying they have to keep the road maintained. And then... Ha- lobby to get the bill changed saying oh no the government has to maintain this road possibly and also i doubt that a private company that builds a toll road or whatever a road they're probably going to try to keep costs down yeah um and not overcharge the cut you know it's just whatever the fair fee is right i mean they're not gonna you know try to suck money out of the government somehow not at all oh okay all right so anyway so that's what i'm very concerned about Uh, okay we're gonna keep our eye on that because a trillion dollar infrastructure program sounds great don't think it's going to go down the way people think it's going to go down. Oh, were you going to say something, Joey? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were going to play a clip. See, I, I got confused because I watched the speech live, and I, I'm confused on how you're going to have a trillion-dollar spending on infrastructure, and then you're going to cut taxes and give oh, money yeah. back. Oh, well, sure. It's complete so, fiction. So right. <laughs> you can't. You can't spend you, more you money. Can't. Yeah. And save more money. That's not going to happen. That's not how money works. Nope. But, and also they're going to run, they're going to lower the debt because, you know, Republicans believe in that. They're very conservative fiscally. They don't want the debt to go up. So they're going to spend a trillion dollars. They're going to cut taxes and somehow bring the debt down. How? How? I don't know. But okay. Uh, I want to, I don't remember what this clip is about specifically, but I was saying there's, there's, well, let's play it and then I'll just write, I'll read what my, my comment was. 
Megan's story is about the oh, here we go. Oh, it's about yeah, the FDA. Okay. So there's this girl, Megan, who had some kind of disease or whatever. Then they only said she was going to live to be about five years old. Her dad somehow founded a company uh, that did a bunch of research that got the drugs made that enabled her to live. She's 20 years old now. She's in Notre Dame. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Beautiful story. Yeah. So now Trump's talking about getting rid of regulation with the FDA and all this stuff. And let's, let's hear what he has to say. Power of a father's love for a daughter. But our slow and burdensome approval process at the Food and Drug Administration keeps too many advances, like the one that saved Megan's life, from reaching those in need. If we slash the restraints, not just at the FDA, but across our government, then we will be blessed with far more miracles, just like Megan. Okay. He used the phrase unbounded power there. And I, I was saying all these phrases that he uses, which you'll hear as like, we, you know, you listen to the whole speech, but it's very Bannon just feeding the monkey with scary compound syllables. You know, it's like unbounded power. Yes, monkey boy, <laughs> say them. And like, that's what it is to me. And I also don't think we should be, quote, slashing regulations at the FDA. Do you want to eat yogurt with, with nobody checking it? You yeah, that's it, a good idea. Yeah, it's clever though because he makes it sound like if we cut regulations, it's going to help science. Well, he literally said miracles. We'll create miracles. miracles. Yeah, or or you're going to eat fucking listeria. But he's just backhandedly saying that we're going to get rid of regulations so corporations can do more shit. Right, and I'm not against getting rid of unnecessary regulations, but I'm a hundred percent, one hundred percent in favor of regulations. Well, the FDA regulations, it's not. Like, yeah, he gives a great anecdote of this one person who was saved because things were on a timely schedule. We should still be doing this research, but you there's, but you need to actually take the time to make sure that you don't kill countless other people by putting a medication out there that isn't ready. Oh, of course. And so the regulations are there not to kill that one person, but to save the thousand people. Yes. So, yes, it's, it's terrible. There's one, like, you have anecdotes of people dying. That's not the whole story, though. No, of course not. And that's not what they're talking. That's not what they're concerned. They're framing it in that way. Yeah, and that, but that's not what they're talking about. And that is just exactly it. That's just a way to frame it to make the, to make their case. It doesn't mean it's the truth. Right. And it also obviously takes liability away from uh, drug companies, pharmaceutical companies, whatever. Yeah, that if they're not tested, they go, well, the FDA didn't test it. Well, and, and to be fair... <laughs> Drug companies, it, it is a really expensive process to get a drug to, mar- drug to market, and that's part of where the, like, that is a way you could theoretically reduce costs if you, in order to actually get a drug to market, it's $500 million plus. Right. Well, and it's a th- also a thing that's driving up costs is because of climate change and global warming, they've, we've reduced the amount of rainforest where you typically go to find uh, uh, these plants, these plants that create new medicines. And it becomes increasingly more difficult to get those as these places shrink well, and temper- tempered zones change. It's we still have scientific thing. research that's f- developing new, new medication in labs themselves. And yeah, but we're, we're reaching antibiotic resistance at this point. That's a real serious problem. I'm actually confident that science is going to push past that. And I say this, I say this after my dad had MRSA about two weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, I'm, but MRSA uh, we have a cure for. Yeah, uh, I mean, just bombarded with antibiotics, but actually, right. there, I think there's some stuff that they there's a, re, uh, a scientist who I think 10 or 15 years from now will get a Nobel Prize is doing some pretty cool stuff in terms of getting over antibiotic resistance. Good. Well, I hope I fucking hope so. Like, yeah, but uh, but uh, but anyway, the point remains though. It's like we have to keep going to these more extreme scenarios to get to create new antibiotics. So you know, yeah, it becomes a bigger problem. Uh, okay. Trump talks about law enforcement must be supported, and he also announces a task force uh, 
that I think is going to be some trouble. Yeah, and then he also does a fucking hideous thing here, which we're going to play. We must build bridges of cooperation and trust, not drive the wedge of disunity and dis- and really it's what it is, division. It's pure unadulterated division. We have to unify. Police and sheriffs are members of our community. They're friends and neighbors. They're mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. And they leave behind loved ones every day who worry about whether or not they'll come home safe and sound. We must support the incredible men and women of law enforcement. Yeah, okay, we do. But also, they signed up for that job. Yeah. Like, the, the the dangers of it is understood. If you didn't understand that, you shouldn't have signed up because that's a reality of the job. So, yes, while we definitely support them, I'm not rooting for cops to get killed or whatever, that's a reality of the job, though. You might get killed. And so you got to wrap your head around that reality. It doesn't mean we, we root for it, but, like, we have to do everything to protect that. Do we? They're supposed to be there to protect us. That's the point. And that, that is the opposition that is taking place. Mm. Now he does something disgusting. And then it gets worse. And we must support the victims of crime. I have ordered the Department of Homeland Security to create an office to serve American victims. The office is called Voice. Victims. Aren't the Republicans supposed oh, to? Oh, don't. Uh, shut up, Joey. Aren't the Republicans? There was hissing. There's hissing We're going to go back. That's the beauty. I can just bounce back 10 seconds. Aren't the Republicans the ones that hate victimhood, like being a victim? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I have ordered the Department of Homeland Security to create an office to serve American victims. The office is called Voice, Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement. We are providing a voice to those who have been ignored by our media and silenced by special interests. Joining us... That's a political thing. Well, yeah. Joining us in the audience tonight are four very brave Americans whose government failed them. Their names are Jameel Shaw, Susan Oliver, Jenna Oliver, and Jessica Davis. These people in their grief made a really bad choice showing up here to be fucking props in this guy's bullshit. This is really ugly. Donald Trump holding them up Lion King style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jamil's 17-year-old son was viciously murdered by an illegal immigrant gang member who had just been released from prison. Jamil Shore Jr. was an incredible young man. Why wouldn't we just deport an illegal immigrant that came out of prison? Right? Like, why did we just release him back to the United States? Why don't we just deport him? I mean, why would we put him in prison? Wouldn't he just go straight... Well, that's part of it. Yeah, good, good question. But that's you part of Trump's to, plan, which he talked about in a, in a speech that I watched before he became president, where he was like, we're going to de- we're gonna imprison these people. We're going to have these yeah, detention the bad centers. Ones. So why are you putting them in detention? Why don't you just th- send them out? Yeah, why did the bad one get placed back into the community? Right. Okay. But all right. With unlimited potential, who was getting ready to go to college where he would have excelled as a great college quarterback. 
But I he know. never got I did the, the scouting. What? His father, who is in the audience tonight, has become a very good friend of mine. Yeah, I bet. Jamil, thank you. Thank you. So now you got a guy standing up there applauding him. His son got killed, and it's like you're just a pro- you're a political prop. Horrible. Also with us are Susan Oliver and Jessica Davis. Their husbands, Deputy Sheriff Danny Oliver and Detective Michael Davis, were slain in the line of duty in California. They were pillars of their community. These brave men were viciously gunned down by an illegal immigrant with a criminal record and two prior deportations should have never been in our country. Sitting with Susan is her daughter, Jenna. Jenna, I want you to know that your father was a hero and that tonight you have the love of an entire country supporting you and praying for you. But if you use the wrong bathroom, we're going to be after (laughs) you. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point, Joey. It's also like, I get it. It's sad for her. I'm not saying that her family shouldn't feel sad or, or whatever way they feel. But, like, cops getting killed in the line of duty is what it is. You know what I mean? It doesn't automatically make you a hero. Like, you you signed up for a dangerous job. No doubt about it. You could have gotten killed by anybody. It doesn't matter that it was illegal. It would, now we got to have the fucking voice task force. Like, come on, man. It's super manipulative. It's bullshit. There's a lot more people who are killed by... M- most most murders are yeah, just right. random people, American yeah. citizens, not yeah. illegal immigrants. Uh, 100%. All right. Have we come up with the solution of the Chicago uh, thing? Me? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, yeah. It starts with the great. Yeah, absolutely. We get rid of the guns. Well, no, like you, you can, like you have less guns, less guns, less shootings, less shootings, less death. The guns go away with more community support. Oh, more guns, jobs, right? No, let me fucking finish. You asked me a question. Yeah, no, okay, you're gonna go tell ahead. me what to do. You go into the community. You, there's groups already there. Uh, well, by the way, Chris Hayes did a great special. I don't know if people saw it. It's on YouTube. You can watch. He goes to Chicago and talks to like people in Chicago mm-hmm. and gets their opinions on how to do it. But you go in, you support community groups, and then it's about education. It's about creating jobs. Yeah. The guns will automatically go away at a certain point. It's only a few air, like neighborhoods in Chicago that are causing most of the pro- problems, and it's because people are so entrenched in different gangs and different group mentalities and stuff like that that that's all they feel like they can do. Yeah. yeah. You know? Uh, all right, now this is despicable. Yeah, this infuriates this me is in great. so many ways. No, no, no. This so, is amazing. This is what needed to be done on a national level. All right, let me just play the first part of the clip here, and then I will give my comments. By Corinne Owens, the widow of U.S. Navy Special Operator, Senior Chief William Ryan Owens. Ryan died as he lived a warrior and a hero battling against terrorism and securing our nation. We'll explain what happened. Let's just listen. I just spoke to our great General Mattis just now. 
who reconfirmed that, and I quote, Rob- Tell me this sounds like a direct quote from somebody. <laughs> Does this sound like a direct quote? Ryan was a part of a highly successful raid. Why would he say this directly to Trump? See, so he's already lying. He wouldn't look at Trump and go, Ryan was part of a highly successful raid. Like, what are you fucking nuts? So it's not a direct quote. You're paraphrasing. That's fine. But say that. Don't say, I just talked to him. He literally just wrote this in a deposition. Like, what are you out of your fucking mind? (laughs) I generated large amounts of vital intelligence that will lead to many more victories in the future against our enemy. Ryan's legacy is etched into eternity. Thank you. you. So this keeps going. There's a very long, uh, long ovation. Yes, as it should be. You think? Yes, that's a soldier that lost his life in service to his country when they uh, shouldn't have happened. Maybe. You don't know what you're talking about. We're going to get into the context. All right, so this goes on for quite a while. It goes on for like two minutes. It's a two-minute right. standard innovation. Um, so, yeah, so hold on. So let me skip ahead to where the, uh, the right clip is. So you don't want to mention how she was a prop and all that and she's yeah, a crying Yeah, I'm about to talk. And, Just be quiet. Okay. All right. I wrote, you're a gullible dummy, America. This part really infuriates me for a couple of reasons. Reason one, dumb, dumb pundits like Chris Wallace at Fox News and Van Jones at CNN referred to this as, quote, the moment Trump became the president. Why? Because he was able to mimic empathy for 40 seconds? Because he was covering up what was a botched raid he okayed during a dinner with Bannon and his son-in-law? I don't fucking think so. And to that end, I have a quote from a New York Times article that we're going to read that explains what the Yemen raid was. And I got some other stuff that we're going to get into. This is infuriating to me. Why? Because he was able to mimic what a president might do in a real scenario. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your brave service. It's a fucking cover. That's what it is. Yes. And I'm not impressed by the fact that he was able to point at a military man's wife and honor her. Yeah. Okay. As she cried. That makes him the president. He's acting like what a president might act like. That's what it is. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything else that's wrong about the guy, it's like, well, we can throw that out the water. Now he understands, you know, shut the fuck up. February 1st, 2017, New York Times article called Raid in Yemen, colon, risky from the start and costly in the end. This is the exact situation. And I'm quoting from the article. Just five days after taking office, over dinner with his newly installed Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, President Trump was presented with the, uh, with the first of what will be many life-or-death decisions, whether to approve a commando raid that risked the lives of American Special Operations Forces and foreign civilians alike. President Barack Obama's national security aides had reviewed the plans for a risky attack on a small, heavily guarded brick home of a senior Al-Qaeda co- uh, collaborator in a mountainous village in a remote part of central Yemen. But Mr. Obama did not act because the Pentagon wanted to launch the attack on a moonless night and the next one would come after his term had ended. With two of his closest advisors, Jared Kushner and Stephen K. Bannon, joining uh, the dinner at the White House, along with Defense Secretary James Mattis and General Joseph, Joseph F. Dunford Jr., Mr. Trump approved sending the Navy SEAL Team 6, hoping the raid uh, early last Sunday would scoop up cell phones and laptop computers that could yield valuable clues to, uh, about one of the world's most dangerous terrorist groups. 
Vice President Mike Pence and Michael T. Flynn, the national security advisor, also attended the dinner. As it turned out, almost everything that could go wrong did. And on Wednesday, Mr. Trump flew to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware to be present as the body of the American commando killed in the raid was returned home, the first military death on the new commander-in-chief's watch. The death of Chief Petty Officer William Owens came after a chain of mishaps and misjudgments that plunged the elite commandos into a ferocious 50-minute firefight that also left three others wounded and a $75 million aircraft deliberately destroyed. These are allegations which the Pentagon acknowledged on Wednesday night are most likely correct, that the mission also killed several civilians, including some children. The dead include, by the account of Al-Qaeda's branch in Yemen, the eight-year-old daughter of Anwar al-Awlaki, the American-born Al-Qaeda leader who was killed in a targeted drone strike in 2011. Okay, an eight-year-old American citizen girl. Mr. Trump on Sunday hailed his first counterterrorism operation as a success, claiming the commandos captured, quote, important intelligence that will assist the U.S. in preventing terrorism against citizens and people around the world. Close quote. There's no proof of that. There's no way to know Mm -hmm. that. That's just a thing he says. A statement by the military's central command on Wednesday night uh, that acknowledged the likelihood of civilian casualties also said that the recovered materials had provided some initial information helpful to counterterrorism analysts. The statement did not provide details. Okay. So that's what happened. Then before congressional address, he said this, this is Trump. The guy who in this moment, is honoring a fallen soldier's wife yes. and acting like the president. Before he got up there and did that amazing thing, this is what he said about our great generals. This was a mission this was a mission that was started before I got here. This was something they wanted to do. They came to me, they explained what they wanted to do, the generals, who are very respected. My generals are the most respected that we've had in many decades, I believe. And they lost Ryan. So the commander in chief who doesn't understand, obviously, that mm-hmm. commander-in-chief means the guy that gets to make the choice, yes. is now saying that these generals who are brilliant and the best, they're the ones that lost Ryan, not Trump, the commander-in-chief, saying they wanted to do it. They wanted to. You're the commander-in-chief. You made the choice. You're the one that got fucking Ryan killed, dummy. Mm-hmm. You're the one that sent them into the situation, and that's your responsibility. No, 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 no. They wanted to do it. They said it's the general's fault. So isn't that cute? Before he comes out, to do this, to to make a mockery of of, of honoring this woman and this guy's oh. death. Before that, before he comes out and does that, he's blaming the generals and saying that like they yeah. wanted to do it. I don't know. Not my fault. You're the commander. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. So that's why this shit is a fucking sham to me. And it's embarrassing. And so every, every- it's not the moment he fucking became president Van Jones. What an asshole. Van Jones who's like a hard left guy that was crying on the night that Trump got elected. Now he watches one three second, three, you know, three minute clip of Trump. And he's like, he became the president. Why? Because he put on a fucking show for the gullible country that we are. That, that's great. Which he needed for, for, to do. For, I mean, first of all, he began yeah, to shield himself from a miserable failure as his first act as president. First military act as president. Yeah, but he gets a pass now, though. No, he doesn't get a fucking pass. He absolutely doesn't. That, that, that quote is just so stupid on so many levels where he became the president on January 20th. There's no doubt about that. Well, right. Yeah, really, no, exactly. But yeah. how does him giving some lip service to something and put, putting on a show erase the last month of what he's done? Of course. Thank how, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It doesn't at but all. People are, like anyone who's saying that this changes everything. It's like, no, it doesn't. Why? Because he was able to mock empathy for 40 seconds? Act, it's what it is. Actions speak a lot louder than words in this case. Yeah, and he was the one that chose to send them in to begin with. 
And he's not going to take credit for it. That's, take, this is the scary person that we have running this country. T- take responsibility and don't just parade these people, this person out. And the father is coming out wildly against you. Yes, yes. The father, right. The yeah. wife is there. Where's cry, the dad? And whatever. She's grieving. I'm not, it is what it is. She's invited by the president. She wants to go and she feels terrible. But the dad... Yeah, he refused to shake Trump's hand. He's calling for an investigation. Right. As he, he should. Where's he? Why isn't he there? We're not honoring him. It's his son that died. It is his son. Oh, interesting. And look, I get it. Whatever. Shit happens under... under I'm talking about this right now. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Final clip. Syria. He's talking about kind of. He's talking about humanitarian disasters. This is 45 seconds. But we know that America is better off when there is less conflict, not more. We must learn from the mistakes of the past. We have seen the war and the destruction that have ravaged and raged throughout the world, all across the world. The only long-term solution for these humanitarian disasters, in many cases, is to create the conditions where displaced persons can safely return home and begin the long, long process of rebuilding. So Trump... Obviously, it's a reference to refugees and this shit and that shit. And he's saying, we got to help them rebuild. We got to keep them in their own country. Go look at pictures of what Syria looks like right now. Yeah, not good. It's an impossibility. And then look at it. It was on Vice. It was on Vice last week. A half hour, they talked about it. They're showing people. And then in parts of Syria where people really got, you know, the towns destroyed mm-hmm. and like just battered, people got killed. Now they ask them, you know, do you think the government is responsible? They're like, no, 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 no. No, no. Like, no, no, no. We, we don't know. No, the, the government had nothing to do with it. People are just, now that is a totalitarian state over there. And as if it wasn't. But like, even people that for sure would blame the government are like terrified to blame the government. Yeah, let's just send people back there. That's, yeah, that, that's going to be possible. Sure. Stupid. Finally, this is what I want to talk about. Yes. The goddamn Democrats. I wrote in all oh, caps, God. why the fuck? fuck was former Kentucky governor Steve Bashir giving the response from a goddamn railroad car diner after Trump's first address to Congress. Where's Bernie? Where's Elizabeth Warren, Al Franken, Sherrod Brown, even Cory Booker? What are you doing? It's this shit that's going to keep Trump What's in office face for four years. To give it? Uh, I would have had Schumer up there. No, well, you don't have fucking Chuck Schumer do it. But, but you, you got a guy who's not even in government anymore. He's the former governor of Kentucky in a goddamn diner, poorly staged. He looks like an idiot. Why is he giving the response to this? This is a his first congressional address. I would have had the heavy hitters out there. This is why the Democrats are losers. Well, you, you, that's a question for Tom Perez, is it not? Yeah, we got to get back to... Look, I We're think going we got to get back basics. to basics. Yeah. Basics. Fucking idiot. Idiot! Right at the diner. Mark my words, this is the shit that's going to keep Trump in office for eight years. Yeah. All right, I'm done. <laughs> you feel good, though? A lot of good ranting. I do, yeah. This is a longer one. I'm a little tired. We're, it's a little bit later uh, than I'd like it to be in the day, but it is what it is. I got to go edit after this. But uh, yeah, I think it was a good episode. Nice. Got all your system now? Yeah, then I'll start reloading for next week. Yeah. I feel good. You guys feel good? I feel great. All right. I feel hungry, but good. Yeah, I could probably eat something too. Um, what do I have here? Oh, damn it. Yeah, what? I just want to say something because I skipped over something. Oh, you can't be skipping things. So I have a new favorite Trump cabinet member. I just want to mention real quick. Commerce Secretary Bill- Billionaire Wilbur Ross. Yay. He wore 
$600 custom Stubbs and Wooten slippers to the address. The slippers featured the Commerce Department logo on the toe. What do I wear all the time when I'm here? Slippers? Yeah. You, you, put, that, you put that in the uh, rundown. I was curious. Like, is he taking offense to this? Is it nope. a problem? It's like, nope. 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 I love it. Doesn't bother me at all. Now Wilbur Ross is my new favorite. I, I'm very proud of him for showing up at the address in slippers. That's great. Now, now can you get uh, the same slippers with, except with like the Mansamp logo on just your head? I could. I've thought about it. But uh, yeah, just my face. But I don't have. I don't want to spend that type of money. I get Deer Stag. I'll be the, honest the with in, you. Shut up, Joey. Deer Stag indoor outdoor slippers uh, that I wear. I don't care about your slippers. Uh, you know, they're like 20 bucks. You can go get them. What I do care about is that you didn't take the time to analyze the fact that he said he was he drained the swamp. You said nothing about that. Yeah, and he filled it with class, like Wilbur Ross. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm obviously just joking. You know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but Wilbur Ross is not a guy that I, I'm you, supportive you of. You do but know that... I do like his slipper game. Slipper his, game strong. His cabinet of how many people yeah. have more money than a third of the citizens in this country? Oh, I know. I know. I mean, there's plenty more where this came from. <laughs> Believe me, there's way more shit like, to go down. There's literally a room in the White House that... Is in control of more money than a third of this country. Yeah. No, I understand. That he drained the swamp, though. In in power. Yes. That gets to make decisions, that gets to make to vote, they have all the fucking money. Yeah, but once you accumulate enough money, the only logical thing you need next is power. <laughs> you know. Oh. Whatever power money can't buy, you'll get by getting you get elected. elected. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I'm fucking done. Thank you, Matt, as always, for being here. I appreciate it. Joey, I love you. You know that. Thank I love you, you too, here. buddy. Uh, go buy Oso Perizoso, Brian Wilson's album. It comes out March 7th. You can go check him out at the Greenpoint Gallery in Brooklyn on March the 10th for his album release show, which should be great. We wish him a lot of luck with that. Uh, you can also follow us, the Mandatory Samson Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm at Samp on Twitter. Joey's at Joey from Jersey. Jersey spelled with Z. Matt is Matt D. Weiss on Twitter. Um... I don't know. There's probably some other shit. Oh, thank you to Blue Apron for being a sponsor of the program. I'm going to go eat dinner and have a good cry. I love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.
This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.